Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Podcana episode 39. This week, we will be starting the set three Podcana spoiler review. I felt like we had a pretty good track record in set two, um, despite some of the early feedback we got. I think we hit, I was actually thinking, guys, for a while, I was like, is there anything we got really wrong? And there's one that I definitely got wrong um, in set two, and that was um, the book, the spell book. I didn't say it was bad necessarily. But I did say I didn't see I thought that it wouldn't fit into the Ruby Amethyst list because of the other items and the complete opposite happened. The other items came out. The spellbook came in as the only item. So that was one I definitely got wrong. I think I was a little high on Sisu as well. Um, but yeah, we're, we did a bit of spoilers last week, but we'll be really cranking into them this week. Uh, the set comes out soon. It's very exciting. Uh, I think that some people are a little... You know, this meta might be stale, so it's about to see a shakeup. And I'm excited. Will Ruby Amethyst be on top once again in set three? Man, I hope so. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. How uh, How's y'all's weeks been so far? Good, yeah. Uh, just been enjoying all of the spoilers being teased. Uh, we probably won't cover them this episode, but like majority of the Enchanteds got... Mm. Uh, uh, spoiled and let me just tell you they're i think they're really really cool art, art is always a personal preference but they've really gone for uh, a unique style with these enchanteds but the good news is i do think that there's more enchanteds coming out in this set is that good news yes because they're cooler cards but does that mean they're going to be rarer or not i guess i guess we'll wait and see but uh yeah overall i'm 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 that person that you said brennan i'm the person that's ready for a meta shake up because i'm uh i'm a little tired of what we have right now even mm. though it was good I, I i will say set two meta was Still really, really good. It wasn't just the same thing the whole time. The start was really cool. We got some experiments. We moved into kind of where we left off and set one. But nevertheless, it's been fun. What about yourself, Moen? I have the same approach as, as last set, where I try to dodge all the spoilers. So I have uh, the first reaction on, on this on this podcast. Oh. So I'm looking forward to, to the podcast every week because I want to see the new cuts. Yeah. I don't think people know this about Moen, but as soon as the set releases on Pixelborn... Moyen goes into this like hibernation state where he just starts cooking, <laughs> cooking some decks. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see these deck lists start rolling into the group chat. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, let's head into the headlines. Uh, not too much this week because we're really going to try to get into spoilers ASAP. First thing I want to hit on is, you know, Thea hosted another tournament. <laughs> it was a bit controversial because it said no Ruby Amethyst decks. It was canceled because of some... Uh, outlash, whatever the word you'd be. People gave some feedback that they didn't want that. And it was canceled and it was sort of re, it was re put up, but with a different prize pool. So they readjusted it. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I feel about this. I think that overall, if there's a grassroots community tournament, it should be able to run under any rules that it wants to. I do. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like if there was a legitimate organized play tournament, legitimate competitive tournament hosted by Ravensburger. And they were like, no Ruby Amethyst decks. Yeah, that would be cringe. And they wouldn't do that. That's just not how organized play works. Um, that would be like MetaZoo levels of just weirdness. But if it's a community grassroots tournament, I think they should be able to do whatever they want. Honestly, I was kind of excited for this. We were talking in the group chat. We we're like, okay, so is uh, Ruby Sapphire just the default best deck in this case? Like it was, it got some juices flowing, especially at the end of a meta when it's stale. I think that um, I didn't really see any of the negative feedback or the 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 outlash. But what I will say is that if you were a part of that group, you should be careful because these people that are putting on these tournaments for everybody and making it so these experiences are possible, those people are not guaranteed, right? They're doing this in their in their own free time. They're raising their own money and they're putting up a play experience for all to all of us to enjoy the game. 
Like those people are doing us a favor. So I don't know if you were one of the people being overly negative about it, it's much different than giving feedback. Um, I would encourage you from not doing that in the future because like these tournaments are important for the competitive scene. And yeah, yeah, even if you disagree with the rule set, I think it's like, just don't play. Them. <laughs> yeah, and, and let me tell you as well that, uh, let me just uh, cut in really quickly. Let me tell you that any people that think that he is making money from this, she is most definitely not making money for this. And that's the, that's the toughest thing as someone who's organized uh, grassroots tournaments and stuff. Uh, when people start saying that, like, especially if people are like, oh, you're taking all the money for this, that feels really, really like tough because you're putting your heart and soul into making this happen. Like, it is really, really hard to make these e events run efficiently. Um, and when people start slating you like that, it's like, it actually makes you want to give up. So exactly what Brendan said, please don't do that. Like, we are very fortunate to have great events like this, especially in a space where there's no official online client, but yet we can still play high level events online. So, uh, yeah, just just don't be that person. Why? Uh, this has happened before. Uh, man, this happens all the times in card games, especially before OP comes out, grassroots, and this. I what? Why is there a problem? Like, what? I know the the back end as well, or I know sort of the inner details that she is not making money. But what if she was? Yeah, like she's the one that's going out organizing the tournaments, dealing with the headache of running the tournament, getting tos, um, getting the sometimes getting the prize pool, you know, shipping out enchanteds and. There's like so much of pers her personal time that goes into that, as well as you know, uh, the passion aspect. It's like, what if they were making money? Mm -hmm. I, I, it's like people always people people, are weird. Yeah, people always first they're like, nobody can make it. It's just nobody can make any money. It's just crazy to me. I mean, I'm not but talking about only, a ridiculous profit margin, but if someone is making a little bit of, it's just weird to me. Yeah, it's yeah. Me. It's just I don't know. It's basically I think people sometimes feel like they're owed to have the to have all the money that they put in. Uh, into the price pool also being being paid out and i don't think they're being owed that but i think at least um the tournament needs to be very clear about how much of the um payment always goes into the price pool and how mm -hmm. much like what percentage goes in because if they're not being cleared about that i think that's a that's a little shady but that's not what's happening here at all uh, me personally i wasn't like the biggest fan of just banning ruby amethyst but like, I still wanted to play the tournament, and I was still cooking up some decks. So I was, was sad that it it didn't uh, didn't take place just because some people like didn't agree with it or um, like we're giving some backlash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all we can really say about it is just I wouldn't recommend doing that. Uh, you know, we would definitely frown upon it, and just just be careful because oh. the those those the people that are putting on grassroots tournaments. Like they're doing it out of passion. Like it is, it is not guaranteed, and you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to disincentivize that. It's just the only thing that I, I would criticize is I think the tournament was supposed to be named "Do Not Be Prepared," and but it, it, that is, it didn't mean that "Do Not That Be Prepared" wasn't allowed in the tournament. So I think there, there would have been some confusion there. <laughs> I also saw in the comments some people just immediately asking, "Oh." You know, is M Amethyst not allowed? Is there just this card not allowed? But it was just about the Ruby Amethyst mm -hmm. combination. So just the, the title was a little problematic. But also, um, maybe I can find it. I, I got the the promo card from from topping Tia's first event uh, recently in the in the May. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. There, while he does that, I'll, I'll, there's one other thing that happened. Um, I don't know if you're going to grab a point, but there's one other thing that happened. So it's just basically there was this tweet that I saw. Um, there was, and I don't. It's not going to be all negative news, but it was just 
really obnoxious. All I can say is just don't be this person. Basically, this person writes a tweet and they go, this is how I envision the conversation going during Lakana Dev. Hey, do you know that magic card, Wheel of Fortune? Fortune, the one that got restricted for 30 years? Let's print that card. Oh, and make it free. What's the worst that can happen? And then they retweeted themselves and they go, I repeat, what's the worst that could happen? Like, it's just, I, I feel like this person felt like they had the first clever thought and then they decided to be an asshole about it. It's like, it's just like this card in Lorcana, first of all, it's actually balanced. Second of all, the devs knew what they were doing. Obviously, mm. obviously. Yep. Like the devs obviously know what Wheel of Fortune is. Um, it's just such an ignorant take. And it's just like, don't be that person. It's like, it's so toxic. And I, I don't know why this is like promoted. I saw it retweeted a few times as well, but it is not that clever. The devs knew what Wheel of Fortune was, um, et cetera. Also, card games are not supposed to be ultra bad. Card games are not all about balance. Card games are about fun. Like mm -hmm. card game development should take some risks on some cards, period. If that means that a card has to get banned every now and then, good, good. Because if it didn't, the game would be boring. Mm -hmm. But so it's like yeah. I think I think it's very important for players of a game to give feedback on why they like or don't like game design decisions, right? That's that's important. But the problem is it's it's it happens so fast that suddenly the player thinks that they would would have studied like game design for twenty years or <laughs> I don't know. So, so suddenly they think. Oh, clearly this was a mistake, and they should have done this and this. And I'm just, a better designer than these people yeah. who are experienced. Yeah, I think crazy, giving though. feedback is important, but that doesn't suddenly mean you're a game designer or you know everything better than the design team. I think that's it's, it's uh, it happens in every game, and it's I really don't like to see. You brought this card and this tweet up, Brendan, because we again we might not get it get to it in this episode, but there's a card that's going to combo with a whole new world that people are already yeah. saying. Oh my god, are they are they? Oh, how do they print this card? It's crazy, but. You know what other card combos with a whole new world? Prince John, right? Yep. Prince John, it was like, oh my god, it was going to be so busted. And guess what? The discard deck doesn't run a whole new world, or <laughs> for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes people, like, they think they're being clever, and it's just like, okay, this is like the most level zero tweet I've ever read in my life. Obviously, the development team knew what Wheel of Fortune was, and obviously, by the way, this card has been balanced for two sets already. Uh, it's mm -hmm. not even, yeah, ridiculous. Anyway, spilling section. Um, I'll pass over you to Kala. All right. So first comment is from Abedade. He says, uh, "I've listened to every episode at work twice now and really enjoy the content. I finally went to a local sealed play tourney and felt like you guys were in my head while picking which cards in the deck to play. I didn't win the whole thing, but advanced a bit and lost two one against the guy that got first place." Loving the dynamic you guys are developing too. Can't wait for more spoiler banter. That's uh, that's awesome to hear. Uh, spoiler banter. Yeah. We had some spoiler banter this morning. Kyle was yes. like, hey, you guys have to agree with me this time. You can't be can't be dunking on me. I said, <laughs> I'm, I told, I'm ready for it. I told Kyle he's come a long way. When we first uh, when he first took him in, he was a zero to hero believer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next comment is from John. The discussion on bosses on a roll raised an interesting question in my mind. Would a card that says gain one lore be playable, even as an inkable one cost? I'm not sure it is worth worth it to pay one card for one lore. Would it have been, would it have to be a one cost inkable song? Would that even be playable? Spellbook gets you one lore for one ink, but you have to uh, amortize the cost of the book itself into that three uninkable. So you could frequently end up paying more like one and a half to two ink plus a fraction of a card for each ink. I do think the concept of tacking one lore onto a lower value action is interesting in general, though, even if this example 
isn't great. So this is leading on from the car that we discussed last week, which is the three cost. Uh, I can't remember if it's inkable or, or uninkable, but you basically yeah. inkable. You rearrange the top five cards of your deck, and you gain a lore essentially. Yeah. So um, I mean, yes, that I love this question. Mm. I think that's that's a very interesting question. How much exactly would how like how would you do have to design a card that j- just says gain a lore? Because I think at one cost, it is already pretty close to to like a decent card. Mm. But it just depends on context, right? Let's say. If you play, if you c- combine that card with like whole new right or a deck that can somehow draw a lot, I think one cost gain a lore can provide huge tempo, or uh, not tempo things, huge uh, reach in in the final turns of a game. Um, it's effectively when su- yeah. yeah, when when suddenly maybe you had like if you combine that with amethyst, uh, that that then they already have like gold gold bounce. And in the same turn, they can play a few one-cost gain a lore. Suddenly, I don't know, you could die when they are at 15 lore mm. or something. Mm-hmm. So I think at one-cost, it's already would find applications in the right deck for it. So this, I think that this question, it asks a deeper question, which is like, what is the value of a card in Larkana? Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that I value individual cards as more than one lore. Um, like if we were gonna draw a par- like if we're gonna draw a paradigm to Magic the Gathering, like there are cards your opponent starts at twenty life, so it's not lore. You don't go up. The opponent starts at twenty life and they go down. I mean, there are cards that reduce their life directly. The game is not the same. It's not balanced the same. But some of those burn spells, they're good in decks that are focused on that and can take advantage of that kind of card. But usually, you wouldn't just throw a burn spell into like any random deck right which is how yeah. i think that this 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 kind of card would go is like if you had a card that did nothing but exchange itself for lore i think it would have to be in a very specific deck ultimately my first gut feeling is that a card that all it did was game one lore and made you lose one ink which is what the what the card we talked about would do i mm. don't think would be playable uh because i do value board presence a bit more like the actual permanence on the board um and almost every card in the game can quest for one lore, so they effectively have that so I, I don't think it'd be playable. My biggest question is if there was a card that cost zero and was inkable and could gain a lore, would you play it? I mean, that, that's asking the true question of is, is a singular card in your deck worth one lore or is it worth more? It, it's only in the, in the right deck. In some aggro, very aggressive decks it can work and also in some decks that draw a lot it can work. Uh, and then can, that can stall and then get to like 15-ish lore I think in those decks it can work, and but in most decks, I agree that that wouldn't wouldn't be very good. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Mm. Um, so, like, if we did if we did extrapolate it to a card that cost zero and was inkable, yeah. and just only said gain one lore, let's say it's a song as well. Like, how playable do you th- do you think that card is only fringe playable in these kind of decks that take that? Take yeah, I, I still don't think it's like an auto clute in any deck. It's I think there's still a lot of decks that wouldn't want to play that type of card. The card would still be good in the other decks. If that card that we're describing, which is zero cost, inkable, gain a lore, if that card was, because I'm just for some reason in my head, I'm like, oh, this kind of this is kind of something like a coin to me in Hearthstone. If that was given to the player who goes second, would that be? How, how would you guys feel about that? So I think good, that, bad? I think that card is actually way worse than the coin. So the coin allows yeah. you to virtually accelerate an entire turn. Mm-hmm. So like cards are cards are very finely balanced on what turn they come down. Like that's the idea. That's why ramp is so powerful. 
ramp is, I mean, obviously being if you're on 10 ink and your opponent's on 8 ink and you can double spell and your opponent can't, that's powerful. But what's really powerful is let's say you're on turn, you're on turn four and you play a six drop like that. Six drops are not meant to be played on turn four because as you rotate mm-hmm. to your opponent's turn, the answers that they have are either four drops or opposing four drops because you played on turn four or five drops. And the, the four drop and five drop slot is not necessarily designed, intentionally designed to deal with something like a six drop. So that's where you, you get to this yeah. asymmetry and you have cards that literally can't be dealt with. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think that the coin is much more powerful because it does allow you to get into those sort of asymmetric um, resource values on cards where, yeah, the game is just not designed around you having something out that quickly. But I mean, obviously, in the, in, in the case of the coin, you're getting it when you're on the draw, so you're not actually getting a massive advantage. But yeah, one lore, in my opinion, is not equal to a card that you would be given for free that you could cash in for one resource and accelerate yourself by an entire an entire turn. But still, it would it would at least go go a step in uh, balancing out the f- going first advantage. Mm-hmm. One, I think my. My hot take here is that if if the card did exist that was zero cost inkable and it, said, it just said gain lore and was a song, I do think that that card would be currently unplayable in. I do think I think every single deck because if I if I look at like all the cards in Lorcana like even basic one drops, I do consider them to be more impactful than a single lore, even though they're more susceptible than a card like this because they can be be prepared. Let's think about it like a Lilo or something like that. It can be be prepared. It can be fire the cannon. Like it can be removed where this card couldn't. Mm-hmm. I think that those cards are inherently more powerful because they exist on the board. They technically can engage in combat and they have a persistent value where if your opponent doesn't deal with it, you can cash in multiple multiple lore over okay. multiple turns. The reason why I would disagree with that is that. Um... So we talk a lot about floor and ceiling of a card, mm-hmm. and I think most of the time the zero cost gain a lore card would be pretty bad. I think because it's inkable, it's somewhat okay because in the spots where that card would be good, um, like no other card would do the same thing. It's like it's a card that can can come in very clutch while being inkable. So I think inkable cards that are situationally very strong and other times not that strong are still very good cards. It's really interesting because the the idea of inkable and uninkable cards is the axis of Larkana that we can't really look back at other games like Magic or you know any other TCGs and draw a paradigm from like oh this card existed in that game and it was powerful because of this the inkable mm-hmm. uninkable dynamic is like a whole another thing it's like a new frontier in Larkana where we have to try to evaluate cards and their power level on it um, and it, it does make it pretty challenging yeah last thing I'll say is my idea for that I would play that card in a deck maybe a whole new world deck but also maybe a deck if it did exist sometime in the future where potentially some sort of combo deck where I could draw in disgusting amount of cards or I could draw my entire deck, right? You know, I have to play a bunch of bad cards in my deck to do this crazy combo and draw my entire deck. And then effectively, I just play out all these game lore, win the game, something like that. Um, so we were playing, we were trying to keep this section, this section short, but it was <laughs> but like, a, question it was a good question. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm wondering, do we ever get like very expensive burn cards? Like, I don't know, 10, 10 ink gain 5 lore? Do we ever get something like that? I think it would be too... Uh, it would potentially be... It's hard because th- those things definitely exist in Magic to an extent. Um, I do think those cards would be very unrewarding to play against because they're, they're extremely uninteractable, right? Basically, all the only paradigm you're facing as you're an opponent to that is like, I can't let my opponent get the 10 lore. Or I have to tempo the mouse mm-hmm. and they can't get 10 lore before they cast their game, the 10 lore card. I don't know if those are fun design. So... Maybe that's why because this type them. of design exists in like basically every traditional TCG where there's some type of burn cards that also play later, right? 
Yeah, but usually in the other TCGs, the burn decks, and sorry for using terms that are not Lorcana, but this would be these kind of like the game lore cards in mm -hmm. Lorcana. Usually the burn players will opt for the lower cost cards um, that are better rate than the higher cost cards. So let's say it's 10 ink gain, gain 10 lore, but there's one ink gain two lore. It's double the rate. So, I mean, they would just play a bunch of the one ink ones, right? Rather than the mm -hmm. gain 10 lore. Like the gain 10 lore explosive is maybe less interactable. It's more of a surprise. Etc. But usually the lower cost ones have a better rate. So I think that's yeah. 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 For example, sure. in Hearthstone there was like Fireball four cost deal six, or but then the ten cost is only ten cost deal ten. But it so it's always lower rate, but at least it's more damage on one card. Mm -hmm. So you need to play less of these mostly bad cards that are only sometimes good. Yeah, I don't know if we have a card and we could have a card like this in Orcana already. I've I've no idea, but like thinking of like the zero. Cost inkable gain a lore if you have another card. Just just when you mentioned kind of combo decks and stuff like that, Brennan, if you had a card that just said after you cast an action, ready this card. But uh I think that that text on the card in general, I think would just be very powerful anyways. Because if it just readies it and it doesn't say, you know, ready, it can quest. That I think you could always find a, a crazy combo thing with that, even just with one cost cards, uh eventually, right? So um yeah, definitely, definitely interesting. All right. Next comment is from Quest for Lore. I love this podcast. Listen every week. I know none of you are into the Pokemon TCG community, but I honestly believe they have the best competitive TCG experience going right now. There are tournaments ranging from smaller local level to challenges and cups, which are slightly bigger, and even regionals, nationals, and worlds. The game has cash pricing that was recently almost doubled, and participation is hu huge. They are getting 1.5 to 2k players every regional. This is all amazing, but the best part is that competitive decks range from 50 to $150 for top tier decks. The deck that won Worlds last year was $60. That's great. That's really, really cool to hear. Uh, I know this is a long comment, but I truly think that Pokemon TCG is doing something right because they are growing like crazy. Not to mention their broadcast quality is actually insane and the best I've ever seen anywhere mm, recently. True, true, yeah. hope, hope you all have a great week and can't wait to tune in next week. Uh, that's really good to hear, and I think the biggest thing I want to take away from that is, yeah, if, if their broadcast quality is is good, I think I tuned into one of their streams at, at some stage, and it looked like super clean. Yeah. yeah, especially the well Japanese One Piece as well. Inc in incredible. Production. Oh, I watched the video of that as well. Yeah, that looked insane. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, yeah. it's nuts. Mm. Um, I do think that Magic the Gathering's pro tour coverage these days, and they canceled their pro their like pro tours for a while, and then they came back. Their current coverage is also pretty ridiculous. Like it's it's incredible. Um, also, there's there's literally like there's almost no breaks. It's just they just run it through like the entire time. It's crazy. But yeah, um, I've heard good things about Pokemon. Uh, to be honest, and like all the stats, yeah, the, all the stats here you have are are really really good. So um, yeah, I don't is doubt good it. Money in Pokemon as well. That's what I don't know. That's why for me, when I look at like who is who's really trailblazing for competitive TCGs right now. Uh, I look at Flesh and Blood because they put up a million and a half dollars and they're only increasing it. And yeah, that that that's very... And they have a very... The competitive circuit has a high level of competitive integrity. Like there's a very clear ladder in which to ascend and attend the high level tournaments and sort of become the highest level of champion you can. It's not very convoluted. It's very it's very straightforward. Like if you put in the work and you, and you perform well, uh, you can absolutely become that. Pokemon Worlds, first place is 50,000. Okay. I mean that that's not bad. I'm mean, uh Flesh and Blood is I know it's oh, I think it's over 100,000. We can look at Barcelona if you if you want to pull that up. Flesh and Blood Barcelona 2023 first place. I think it's a little it's, bit I assume it's more than Pokémon. Yeah. Right. And Flesh and Blood if you get first you also get a promo card that is uh it's one of oh, 
kind of one of one, not necessarily one of one, but it does say like Pro Tour on it, and then the hero can rotate out of the format. Uh, nobody's ever gotten two, so those also sell for like thirty plus thousand dollars. So, yeah. So that nearly also have whatever prize money. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, first was a hundred thousand in Flesh and Blood, which is it's honestly it's not all it's not all about money. Like Flesh and Blood, the buy-in price for decks is um, probably over three hundred dollars, can be up to six hundred dollars. Like it's expensive. Uh, one thing that is. I guess slightly an upsize. A lot of those pieces that are expensive in the deck are equipment that are transferable across multiple decks. Um, so I guess that's one upside is once you buy it, you kind of don't need to buy it many, many times with different heroes. But Flesh and Blood is much, much, much more expensive than Pokemon. And yeah, I've heard good things about that TCG. It's crazy that a TCG that's been around for that long is still innovating still, and still yeah. trying to compete because usually they get complacent and they just kind of, you know, I don't they know, fade they, they get worse. Yeah, they fade. Yeah, like all Bandai games. <laughs> uh all right next comment is from madlink boss is on a roll is not good like god tier but i've seen tons of crappy cards vanilla and not vanilla lorcana this one at least has interesting effects keep up the good stuff uh edit legendary mickey seems like a fun card too i imagine it does move to the fang location and it gains evasion award if they don't have non-tiger removal aka the dream yeah that's kind of what we talked about is is that mickey the four cost inkable zero one if you can move it to the fang location it could be insane but you need to also realize i'm going to pull up this location super super quickly you need to realize that you would need to combo that mickey with an effect pretty much that says move it to this location for free like if you had a, a card on the board that you know when a quest move a character card to location for free or you have to then just have six ink because it costs four to play the Mickey and then two to move Mickey to Fang. So suddenly it's not a four cost that has this crazy thing. It's actually a six cost. So yeah. uh, still be pretty good. I mean, I, I do think that's one clear way to try and make the card work, but it's, it's, it's you know, it's a lot of work. And then also if your opponent just plays something like a, a Tinkerbell or something like that, you'll just cry. Like yeah. you'll be so sad. I mean, that, that card is, <clears throat> the thing is, is like that card, uh, design-wise is really powerful. It's, I think it's more expensive than the MPG counterpart. The MTG counterpart was a really good card. Um, I think it's more expensive, but currently in Lorcana, our, our big drops, like our high-end curve, doesn't impact the board in a ultra-relevant way. Like, I think one of the most powerful ones is Maleficent, Dragon, and still, like, I feel like that would be underwhelming to cheat out on turn six, uh, for putting this other bad card. Because the Mickey by itself, like if you never activate the ability, it's a terrible card, right? The whole idea is you activate the ability. My my counterpoint is that cheating out Maleficent one time on turn six is maybe not powerful enough to have the other bad card in your deck. Um, nevertheless, that like looking forward as more sets come out, more cards enter the card pool, this is absolutely a tool you should keep coming back to. Like this is a card that yeah. could totally be powerful. I will say just wait for one card that I've seen already revealed. Okay. It's pretty... Pretty big. I don't know. I honestly don't think you combo a Mickey, but I'll say it's a big card with a very big effect. Mm -hmm. um, okay, yeah, and our last comment is from Rock. Uh, you need the aggro decks to keep certain decks in check. There will be control decks that are better than other control decks, and the only way to beat them is to outrace them. You don't want to keep going to every uh, time. You don't want to keep going to time every single round either. Two control decks, 10 rounds for 12 hours going to time. Losing to time does not feel good either. I will say it was a little bit like this in set one for the Ruby Amethyst Mirror matches. It, like we talked about this so many times, you know, if you, you win People game one. People on it's... the wrong list, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brendan Moyne out here are never, never going to tie. They're just I, winning the games. Well, I just, yeah. we never lost. So even if we went to time, it was good for us. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 
And then uh, he just adds a, a final point. Gotta accept the fact that aggro has to exist, build around it, but can't expect a realistic world where they are where there are only control decks. Of course, it's rewarding as a player to win as a control deck because of the high level thinking and lines of play, but aggro needs to exist to counter the control. Yeah, this is just leading on from everything we said last week. Uh, I think it's completely fair. I think all the points that Brendan said about why playing control is more fun for him makes complete sense. Uh, I, I also just think, and like as someone who's been playing a lot of aggro this set, um, just aggro your your matchup spread is harder, but you can be rewarded if you know what the meta is. That that's the way that's the takeaway I've taken from aggro right now is that, um, especially in a game like like Lorcana, right? You you're really risking if you run into one specific ink color, not even one type, not even one deck, one ink color, which could have multiple combinations and stuff. Then you will feel that it's really really tough. So for me, when I want to play aggro and when I have played aggro in the past now is I choose it when I think it's appropriate to play it in a meta that people aren't really expecting it and not really in a meta that people can't counter because I feel like aggro can always be countered so far in Lorcana we haven't seen the most broken aggro deck that literally nothing can stop it like if you tech your deck to beat aggro you can beat aggro right uh, so that's my final takeaway from it is if you think uh, that it's appropriate to bring it when many people aren't expecting it that's the best thing to do but you'll always have an inherent risk whereas playing control decks you will probably just have more consistency across the board yeah. yeah, I think also last last week we agreed, uh, everyone agreed that aggro has to exist. Yeah. It's just we we wished it was a little more interesting uh, than sure. it currently is in our kind of right. That's that's so, why I picked uh, out this comment was um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to reclarify that we we agree with you. Um, yeah, like we we completely agree with you. I don't think we've ever even had like a. a <laughs> dissenting thought from that is like we absolutely mm-hmm. think aggro should exist um so i just want to re-clarify that yeah we we don't think aggro should not exist by any <laughs> means uh our conversation we are more trying to point out as to like the yeah like moyen said like aggro is a bit uninteresting in lorcana specifically because it is very uninteractive with the opponent and doesn't make mm-hmm. we would we would prefer decks that made had more decisions to make whether to quest or to interact on board or something like that sure uh, and then moving on from Spilled Ink, but this is actually an, an email that we got. Uh, so this is from Guy Rooney. He says, hey guys, love the podcast. Have a question for the mailbag. I'm based in Australia and I've recently came across some info stating that we won't be receiving Lorcan until early 2025. By this point, we will be at the very least seven sets deep. What does this mean for the earlier slash sets slash meta and competitive side of Lorcana in Australia and other countries that aren't getting Lorcana until much later? I don't imagine we'll be getting all seven sets released at once. In Australia, so do you think they'll release something akin to the Fab History Pack so we can obtain staples from older sets, or will we just be screwed? Regardless, enjoying Pixelborn for now, and it looks like how I'll be enjoying Lorcana for the for the foreseeable future. Thanks, guys. Keep the great work. I want to point out, take two things from this. Uh, just speaking about the the last comment there, another great reason. Like this is this is proof why Pixelborn is amazing for people like this who can't access the game. They can still play the game online and still experience how amazing it is. Uh, and then the second point is yeah it's it's really interesting for how they're gonna do it in terms of will like you know they're not gonna release set one for australia next year when they get it right so this is a point i want to pass on to brendan because you have experience with this also mentioned mentioning fab history packs how do you think it would be best for them to do and also is this common for multiple tcgs or even new tcgs that they don't release in in i would say certain regions right yeah, my first experience with this is Flesh and Blood. So I'll just answer what is Fab History Pack. So Fab had, mm-hmm. let's say, set one, two, three, and four. They released in New Zealand, Australia, uh, North America. 
And then, you know, they expand to more regions later in the set. So they expanded to more regions in Europe. They expanded to mm-hmm. more regions in Asia. And now those, those, those regions need, need these sets, but these sets are potentially out of print. So mm-hmm. they reprinted staples in white border, which I know some people are going to disagree with white border versus black border, uh, for, for cards, but in white border for those regions specifically and did some local, did some localization in regards to languages. They still had English as well, but some uh, localization regarding languages. So they printed in German, Italian, things like that. Um, and they did take staples, like st- constructed staples from the old sets and they put them in those packs. So those packs are mostly, you're mostly opening constructed staples, um, and things like that. So yeah, I mean, you have to think about it like, if if Australia missed out on seven sets and the first set that comes to their local game store is set eight, well, then they just have to buy all these staples that are potentially out of... I don't know how the printing will work with set one, two, three, like when they're going to stop printing them. They'll always print the demand. Uh, I don't think they will always print the demand. That's just not a thing. Um, but yeah, how are these people going to get those cards? So that's, that's what the Fab History Pack thing could be. Um, but ultimately, <laughs> what is best? I don't... <laughs> I just don't know. Fab is my first experience with it. Um, history Packs had you know, positives and negatives. Um, and yeah, I think that honestly, the biggest, the biggest thing for me is <sighs> Ravensburger kind of dropped the ball by, they were so, I feel like Ravensburger was so prepared. You know, they, they, they had so many sets done in advance. I just, I'm surprised that they didn't release in Australia and New Zealand. I know it's a smaller market, uh, this late, like early 2025. So hopefully I don't know what the solution will be, but hopefully they do have one in mind to help you all get get caught up. But I'm sure that if you live in Australia right now, you can buy, obviously you can buy cards. It's just like, they're not available at the local level. So you'd have to be buying mm-hmm. from Europe or something like that, pay the shipping, et cetera. You should be yep. buying singles anyway. <laughs> By the way, if you play constructed, yes. constructed card games, buy singles. It's much more economic. Mm-hmm. 100%. All right. Uh... Yeah, let's jump straight into the spoiler section now because I'm very eager to get through as many of these as possible. We'll be probably splitting it between this episode and the next episode. Hopefully we can get through all of the spoilers. Next episode might just be literally pure spoilers. So uh, yeah, let's jump into it. So we're going to start off uh, pretty early on from when spoilers were kind of happening. So uh, I've seen... Uh, pretty much all the location cards now, but I don't think Brendan or Moyne have seen them. So we're going to start off with Jim Hawkins, Space Traveler, 5 cost, inkable, 4-4, four, four, quest for 2, legendary, with an effect, this is it. When you play this character, you may play a location with cost 4 or less for free, and also take the helm. Whenever you play a location, this character may move there for free. So first impressions. Strong. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. a potential 9 nine resource value, like uh, play for five. Like, I mean, these mm-hmm. are... No, but it's not five resource. Because a 4-4, four, a four, four, that quest for two isn't really a five, is it? It's, True. It's more like, it's more, maybe it's a four and a four. Which is still very good. It's just, I don't want to call it a five and a four. Yeah. Mm, I'd say it's probably still a... I wouldn't call it a... Like, this is the thing, right? I'd call it a four uninkable, maybe, right? I don't think I'd call it a four. Because... Mm. Other cards like Beast, right? The Beast that just destroys an item when it comes into play and stuff like that. I think, uh, well, yeah, it, it's interesting, right? Because the vanilla stat that we've seen for this is a five cost inkable five five that quests for two. Or five. That's why when we're oh wait, Cerebus only quests five, for one. Quest for one, yeah. One. So five five is like Winnie the Pooh, right? The Sorcerer oh, yeah. Winnie the Pooh that just quests for two. So yeah. So I think it's very yeah. fair to say four four quest mm-hmm. for two is like more along the lines of a four drop. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure, sure. Um, but still, 
that that's cheating resources. Cheating resources is good. I think I, without having seen all the locations, I would already rate this card highly without take yep. the helm. Um, but take the helm even adds on top of it uh, that part of the effect. So mm -hmm. I'm impressed with this card. I think yeah. I think we'll be seeing a lot of this card. Honestly, I think it's just very powerful. You're che you're cheating a lot of resources. And um, with all the locations being introduced in this set, I think uh, we'll see a lot of Jim Hawkins. Well, sure. I mean, I agree with you all, but if locations are... Yeah, suck. the only reason we don't see Jim Hawkins is if all of the locations are bad. Yeah, sure. if all locations sure, sure, sure. suck, then yeah, probably not. But it's a powerful card in theory. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure, sure. All right, next card is Pongo. Three cost inkable, three, two, determined father. Uh, quests for one is also super rare. Uh, with Twilight Bark, once per turn, you may pay two ink to reveal the top card of your deck. If it's a character card, put it into your hand. Otherwise, put it at the bottom of your deck. Mm. I just want to clarify for audio listeners, this is an amber card. Uh, so yes, that, sorry, apologies. <laughs> all good, all good. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it seems pretty pretty powerful, to be honest. I, I, I could see you running this in a, in a deck that only runs characters. So you have two-cost draw card. Um, just as an activated ability on a three cost, that's that's really really powerful. Um, I don't know if decks that are composed of all characters are powerful. That's the deck building constraint. That's the push and pull here. Um, but ultimately, that that is a that is a very good ability in my opinion. Yeah, honestly, I would have assumed that this card would say rest this card and pay two, mm. but that you don't have to do that makes it. Like uh, a repeatable threat. It's insane. So, you, you could it's just it, you could just yeah. keep this active just to use this effect. It's like kind. It's kind of. I know Magic Mirror is already uh, not good enough anymore in set two. But if you compare this to something like that, this is kind of you. You pay three, and then you don't even have to ink. You can just pay two to draw a card each turn if your deck is like mostly your only characters. Bro, this is a, mm. this is a control deck's worst nightmare. Yeah, worst nightmare. Like, this is one of the best aggro cards I think I've ever seen. Think about, like, a standard Amber Amethyst or Amber whatever aggro. You take out some of the card. Like, this card is insane. I've actually, I don't know. You kind of, I felt like I was high on it. And then you said that. And I'm like, oh, my God. How would you deal with this? Because the card advantage is insane. And it leaves you so flexible because, first of all, you can activate the, the effect without resting it. But also, if you're ever scared of this like being removed anyways, or you think you don't no longer need the effect, you can, it's still possible to quest and do this effect. Yeah. So this, both in the same time. This card, this card would be insane it's, if it's, if it said all this text and it didn't have the end where it said otherwise put on the bottom of your deck. Like if, if it was like you paid two to reveal it and now this card is bricked, right? You hit a song, this card is bricked. Mm -hmm. You can't draw any more cards for the rest of the turn. And you have like six more resources available. Like the flexibility that you can actually put a song on the bottom of your deck. So if you're playing Amber Amethyst Aggro, you can still put the friends on the other side on the bottom of the deck if you want to. This is the best card I've seen so far. This card is nuts. This card is yeah, nuts. I think I want to point out that this is the first card in Lorcana that we've seen with this effect that says you just may pay two and it doesn't exert. I think it is the first card that has an effect like this. So... Super cool. My final note on it would be I would prefer if it was a 2-3 rather than a 3-2, but that's probably just yeah. to balance it, right? To, yeah. yeah so God. it, it can be God, removed a, a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, next card is uh, Dalmatian Puppy, also an Amber. Two cost, inkable 2-3 uh, with the effect, where do they all come from? You may have up to 99 copies of Dalmatian Puppy Tailwagger in your deck. And just so uh, Brendan and mine, just so you guys know, there's like 
four or five different variants of this card, obviously, so you can just keep putting in as many puppies as you want. Yeah. yeah. Weird, um, weird card to evaluate without knowing other cards, I'd say, right? Yeah, there needs to be synergy for a Dalmatian puppy, or it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. um, it's exi- cards like this would exist in Magic. They're kind of memes. I- I'm not sure if we said this was Amber too. Um, so yeah, like, I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. yeah, they're kind of a meme in in Magic, and I think it'll be a meme here. That being said, if you had a like, if you had a card that said, "Look at the top card of your deck. If it's the card you name, you know, yeah. <laughs> you can draw it." And then you could activate that a lot and like turbo draw your through your entire deck. And I don't know. It's like there's some definitely some degenerate things you can do with this. But we'll see. We'll see. It's this card is in pot this card outside of context, like in very specific context, mm-hmm. is a bad card. It's a two cost two cost two three is actually not the worst outline, but it's two, it's a two cost two three, and the ability is somewhat irrelevant. Um that being said, if yeah, combo decks, I'm I'm I'll be revisiting this card. It's a cool, it's a cool tool. Mm-hmm. Next card is a Ruby card. It's Moana, Born Leader, five cost inkable four four, Bloodborne, uh, with Shift Tree. Uh, welcome to my boat. Whenever this character quests while at a location, ready all other characters here. They can't quest for the rest of this turn. This card also quests for two. So, uh, kind of interesting. You have to have multiple characters on a specific location, and then. The idea is that you can either get value from them by uh, singing or like double attacking, right? That's the whole thing of readying a character. Um, or not even just double attacking, like you quest with a high value character and then you just ready it and protect it, right? Yeah. Um, this ability might be more relevant because we've seen stuff like this before. Uh, mm-hmm. it might be more relevant with locations. I think prior to that, I would prefer to play something more along the lines of a Maui in my five drop slot almost every single time. Um, mm-hmm. Moyen. Um yeah the, the 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 effect of this is I think a little bit slow for what it does. It's so it's a five cost it's four for like quest for two, which is a little below what we would usually want, and then I don't think the effect will offset that disadvantage often enough. I think it's uh unless there's like some cards that really Maybe there's some locations where you like exert cards and then they get put back up for the locations effect, and that's really strong. But just for questing and saving it or questing and then attacking, I am not too impressed. I think it's a little too strong. Sure. Uh, next card is Scrooge McDuck uh, within Sapphire, five cost, uninkable, richest duck in the world, three five quest for one, with an effect I'm going home. During your turn, this character gains evasive. And then also, I didn't get rich by being stupid. During your turn, whenever this character banishes another character in a challenge, you may play an item for free. So maybe we slot this card into the item deck. Maybe we don't slot this card into the item deck. Let me just say that there is one item that you guys haven't seen yet that you would, of course, want the combo. I'll just say it's a very, very, very high cost item. So it's probably literally just for that. Because I'd want to be cheating out at least a four cost item or higher to, to actually be trying to play this card in my in my opinion mm, uh honestly i think i would cheat out so meta context i'm actually taking meta into context here because ev- evasions are meta in Morcana. Mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. they will continue to be meta they warp the entire game currently that's why we're seeing so many evasions printed i think in set two and three is like ways to deal with this but um in the current context of the meta with all these evasions running around 
I'd probably be okay cheating out like even one to two cost items with this. I know that you know, cheating out like a six plus cost or something like that. That'd be great. But mm-hmm. the f- if I'm looking at the floor, if I have a three five that kills two Mickey Mouses and I'm cheating out items, like that's, I don't know, I might play it to be honest. Like it, Fidget, uh, or not Fidget, but the the other counterpart, the Krill DeVille, mm-hmm. uh, I guess it does a better job than clearing Evasus. But yeah. It's uh, it's it's okay for five cost and inkable. I think it might be a bit too slow in the current meta. Um, what do you what do you laugh that more in? Oh, th- this was the missing piece. Finally, <laughs> we can put dinner bell in our deck. Oh my god, D- dinner bell for zero actually pretty playable. What you still oh. have to banish your character at dinner bell? I know, but that, like, <laughs> in because that would be Sapphire Ruby, so it would be in the ramp deck. So I think it could work there. But I, I in general, I, I like. I like this card because it's a tool for two different things. It's evasive hate, and it maybe you can have some synergy with expensive, uh, with expensive, with expensive items. So it's it's not like a baseline good card, but mm-hmm. it it can see some play. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I don't think it's a baseline good card. I, I do want to clarify yeah. if it if it did come off like I thought. But it maybe was... maybe it can be a good tech card for the white matter, or maybe it can work with some crazy items. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't be like if they're like. Kala said, I haven't seen the item, but if there are some obscenely broken items that you can cheat out with this, this could this could be one of the most popular deck cards in the game. It could, but mm-hmm. outside of the context of that item, eh, five cost and inkable, three, five, eh, not good enough. I think if this was just evasive, not during your turn, this gains evasive, that'd be very good. I think it'll be really, really good because you're going to just protect it and then your opponent has no true way to... Well, not not no true way to answer it, but right, this this doesn't just die to like a Maui or something like that, right? Yeah, that's a little bit of an issue that the f- after the first time you got value out of this, this is completely exposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um. So yeah, if this just said evasive and didn't have the ability, I think they would need to quest for two for it to be to be playable at least. Like I think questing for one and being evasive is actually pretty underwhelming, even if you have a good stat line. No, like, but evasive is still better than this effect. Oh, you, oh, you mean evasive and. The when you banish something. Mm-hmm. No, Bre- Brennan's yeah, yeah, Brennan's just saying that typically you want to be playing evasive cards because they're questing for more. But I kind of agree with Moin here that if this still was evasive, the reason why this would just be still good even by questing for one is when how often are you actually gonna be questing for one? You want to try and do the challenge. I know what you're saying, Brendan. If you if there is no challenge to do or no good favorable trade, you should you kind of want to be questing for two. But then I think the card is just very powerful in like all three aspects, right? Like mm. it's just good because it's evasive. It's good because it quests for a decent amount, and it's good because you get really good value if you I, trade. I think I misheard you. I thought you guys were talking about. I was like, oh, if it didn't have the ability, uh, the item cheating ability, it would be playable if it said it was evasive. Oh no all no the no. Time. no no just no. Like, okay, okay. Just like if it was evasive all the time instead of just on. Oh, what turn? Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be really good. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next card is Flotsam within Emerald. Free cost, inkable, 5-2. Interesting stat line that I don't think we've really seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, your character's name, Jetsam, get plus three attack, quest for one. So this is just the whole kind of Jetsam and Flotsam thing. Uh, can also pair this card with like the Amethyst versions, which I, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was Jetsam was actually decent because it was like an evasive... Four cost three three. It was like um, the fifteen eight ninth and sixtieth card in the deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. evasive hate. Uh, the next card is of course Jetsam Emerald as well. Three cost Inkable two two with Ward uh, quests for two. Uh, the effect is your character's name Floatsum gain Ward. So the idea of this kind of two cards that you play to combo is that Floatsum you're never really questing with him. He's just there to buff up your Jetsam, but then. 
doesn't really make much sense to me because why do you want a buffed card that's actually going to be questing for more? So, uh, I don't know, like, maybe you want to mix, you know, if you're just going to be playing a Floatsum Jetsum deck, both like an Emerald Amethyst thing, maybe it's good, but on paper, these cards don't seem great. It's and even not, together, these cards are terrible. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a non-bow, right? You, you don't, like, the payoff of each is, like, their stat lines are, like, those are the abilities you don't really want on them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, so I, I'm not completely considering all the both the Jetsam and Flotsam we have already, but just these two together are terrible because this Flotsam gives uh, three power to a card that's, that will be a 5-2 instead of a 2-2, two two, and 5-2 is a really bad stat line. Yeah. And and it's a card that quests for two, so it doesn't really care about the three tag either. Yeah. And the Jetsam gives Flotsam uh, Ward. So, okay, nice. My 5-2 that quests for one now has Ward. But, uh, I don't think that matters either. I don't know, yeah. If there's some weird deck that really cares about cards that have, like, five attack or whatever, like, I don't know. I don't even want to the, think about that. The only thing just, I could see yeah. is, like, uh, your, the Floatsum at the 5-2 stat line, like, trading up consistently uh, because there's some weird threat that exists in the metagame that comes down on three, has ward, you have to trade with it via combat, and it's very, very pesky. Maybe. Well, it's like, uh, it's like yeah. a Gaston-level kind of card, but I still don't that think it's playable. The Floatsum is basically, place. like, you, I just feel like you don't care about that your character's name, Jessam, get plus three attack. Like, well, I literally don't care about that effect on the card at all. Yeah. Yeah, it trades very well against the Prince, the Bodyguard, with plus one, one, yeah, So does Madame Mim, and you think about the value of that <laughs> card. Yeah, it's insane. All right, all right. Next card is a Sapphire item, two-cost inkable, Aurelian Gyro Sensor. Uh, seeking knowledge is the effect. Whenever one of your character's quests, you may look at the top card of your deck, put it on either top or bottom of your deck. So this is pretty much just a scry whenever any of your cards quest. Uh, is this... Would you just call this a better Ursula's Cauldron? Uh, worse. <laughs> worse. Worse. Well, the, okay. the effect is worse, but it's inkable. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. that, that sure, part's sure. better. We we evaluated mm. this card, I think, already in like a early like an early episode. It's like okay, this card by itself, I don't think is very is good at all. And also in with other cards, I think it's probably still bad. Uh, but there are some 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 additional cards that are coming out in Z three that really care about you knowing the top of your deck, which I think is a sick mechanic. I love that mechanic. But mm -hmm. um, this one is, in my opinion, much more. It's much less impressive than some of the other counterparts we've seen. Sure. Uh, next card is an Amber card. It's an action, 99 puppies, 5 cost, uninkable. Whenever <laughs> one of your characters quests this turn, gain 1 lore. We were just kind of talking about the value of like lore if it was like 0 or whatever. This card looks uh, pretty bad. This card looks really, really bad. Uh, it kind of reminds... I mean, it's, it's much worse, but it kind of reminds me of... Um, uh, what's the card in Hearthstone, Moyen? It's like... It's like the shaman call like shaman card five yeah like bloodlust it's like kind of like your aggro push if you do, if you two turn around and tell me that this card is good <laughs> no, no, I'm, just like so scared. <laughs> I'm like don't do this to me please it's gotta be a bad card man it's gotta be oh man this card reminds me of zero to hero actually this card yeah. reminds me of a volcano card it really does yeah it's just yeah, like because, the same conditions because it's like it's it's not that hard to make up a scenario where this card would be good it's just this scenario won't happen often enough for for an uninkable card uh, to see play, I think. So like, it, you would need like a token deck. You you want to flood the board, but then like you kind of would want to set this up so like maybe for a few turns not quest. So then you can 
set up a whiteboard and then puppies and quest with all mm -hmm. of them. The problem with that is then if, if any board wipe comes into play, like Tinkerbell, grab your sword or be prepared, then that you lost all the turns where you could have been questing and where you were setting up for this. So there's huge risk. Uh, alongside I don't think that you as even, well. I don't even think you would play this. Like if some people in their mind are thinking, oh, like we could probably try this in an aggro deck. I don't think you're ever playing this in an aggro deck at all. Because, like, yeah. you're not going to get much value for this card. You're really, really not. And it just it costs so much. If you're trying to play an aggro deck, you will get there faster by just doing what your deck does best with, like, your early drops. Like, yeah, I don't know. Very, very unimpressed with this. But maybe someone whips out, you know, maybe someone whips out the weird puppy deck that, you know, you play play all your puppies for zero, keep drawing infinite puppies, and then you just play this for some shit. I don't know. It, it, I, don't I don't see this energy right now, though. Worst card in the w set. Wasn't there some emerald card in the first set? That did well. something along these lines. I don't know. Was it a casket? Or... Yeah, I can't remember. It's honestly. a, it's a high achievement. I think to be the worst card in the set. But this one is currently <laughs> it stands on the podium. Oh, I'm no. It's steel from the witch that I'm thinking of, which is a five cost uninkable action. Also in Emerald that says mm. one of uh, whenever one of your characters quests this turn, each opponent loses one door, which is like kind of the same. It's not the same, <laughs> but it's. I guess I guess gaining a law is better than them losing a law for this type of card, but it's still pretty terrible. It's, it's just not even a very song. Funny like if this if this card was a song, I still wouldn't play it. Like honestly, bro, it's it's like yeah. Um, uh, I can't. Yeah. All right, all right. Next, next, next card. Next card. We have a steel card, four cost, uninkable song, and then along came Zeus. Uh, it's deal five damage to chosen character or location so we're seeing some location removal i think this card overall from most locations i've seen uh i do think i, I want to say that i think it could be playable from initial impressions if you want to have a tool that deals with locations i think it's quite good huh. uh notably you want to just think about since this is a four cost song if you think of like the traditional amber steel decks you only really care about like three cost songs and five cost songs this might be a reason that you want to actually play that sebastian card which is specifically singer four uh, you know, I'm just thinking traditionally of that Amber Steel deck if you want to come into a more control thing, because previously Sebastian was never considered in those decks because there was no good four-cost song to sing within Steel or Amber. Hakuna Matata was the only four-cost, and people only played that because it was free ink when you played Ariel. So for once, a pretty I'll, I'll just take a pretty decent card for a singer four target. Mm. Just a, a good card in general if you want to be removing locations. There's one thing I want to say, which is <clears throat> hitting a chosen character... If video <laughs> audio listeners will not be seeing this, but I'm using my hands. Hitting a chosen character is way better than hitting a chosen location because hitting mm -hmm. a chosen character is something that you cannot interact with generally uh, via combat. Locations are always tapped. You can always do combat yep. with locations. So hitting a chosen character is like that's the gold standard of this card. The location is just like this little bit of upside, I think, because yeah, locations are much it's more. Very tapped. good upside because yeah, most good. removal might not work on locations. I so this is. I think this cuts. Very, very impressive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah no, I but agree. Uh, no, it's like very impressive. I think this card. Okay. It's <laughs> okay. So we, had, we just had the worst card in the set, and then Moyne saying, so far, this is the best card we've seen in the uh, set. Is that yeah, what this I'm might, saying? Honestly, this might be the best card I've seen so far. This card's in, really good. It's it's uninkable, which is, a, which is a little bit of a shame, but it's. it's If you if we compare it to what removal we have so far, I think it's better than basically everything, just like um, value wise. So we can co could compare this to something like Smash, which is it's it's in it's inkable, but um, 
it's it not a song either, right? Yeah. What about it's Let the Storm Rage On? Because that one draws a card. Yeah. I mean, that Storm Rage On is also crazy good. But this is four cost deal five, which can trade up very easily. This this answers like even a beast that costs more than this. I think lots mm-hmm. of very expensive cards still don't have that much more HP than five. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it matters if you can't one-shot something mm-hmm. greatly, but I think deal five will still kill a lot of stuff, even some of the more expensive stuff. Um, and it's a song. Yeah, it's just it's just very very good. It's good. Pe- card. Some people. Uh, I I I. This okay. So this is this is still not a card that you just put into every deck, right? It's still a meta dependent card. Is this five damage breakpoint important? But I think this card in general is very very good. I agree. Yeah, I, agree. Yeah. I think right, it's next- hard. It's hard to disagree with it to be honest. Like yeah, seeing how powerful yeah. like these other uh, target removal cards, especially the song versions of them are, um, and we know. That the defense value in so there's defense breakpoints in Lorcana. The first one is three. Three is way better mm-hmm. than two. We all know that. Mm-hmm. The other one is five. Like uh, the other one, like the like not five. So the other one is six because five mm-hmm. is this like that's where a lot of these cards exist. And then when something gets to six defense, it's like in a whole nother bracket, um, much much harder to kill. Yeah, no, th- this card will be the reason why we will suddenly want to be playing card that with like at least six instead HP. of six instead of five. I do agree. I yeah, do. Bringing agree, back vanilla sure. Cerebus. Let's go. <laughs> All right, next card is Simba, also a steel card, five cost, inkable for six. Uh, quest for one with an effect, triumphant stance. During your turn, whenever this character banishes another character in a challenge, chosen opponent, opposing character can't challenge during their next turn. So, uh, I don't know. It, it, it I don't. Seems... I don't like it. I don't like the stat line. It's a four six. I, we, I just, we, just, yeah, we just talked about six HP. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't like four attack. Um, or, yeah, and that effect is just not fantastic. Do you know the only reason in my mind why a card like this might have been printed in this set is because we're expecting a lot of combat that like hit into locations and stuff. So that's probably the mindset for me is like, oh, you stop your opponent from actually hitting into a location, right? But overall, I don't think it's gonna be right. I, I, I there's no reason for me to want to put this in in a deck. Yeah, this card is know? a. I think it's just uncommon chaff, to be honest. I don't yeah, think it will yeah. be played, which I, I it's funny because me saying that just brought up a memory <laughs> where I saw <laughs> I saw Lorcana content creator and kind of mutual friend of the pod phonetic tweet out, mm-hmm. <laughs> tweeted out set three looks like bulk so far, but I don't know. And he deleted the tweet. So I was like, I was like, <laughs> oh, I wonder why he thinks as I clicked in it was deleted. I uh, just got to I just got to, you know, put him on blast. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, basically Five cost four six. We don't want that. Quest for one. We don't want that. The effect is slow, and then even when you get the effect off, it's like a very. It's not impressive at all. Just to say something can't. It's not even. It's not not locking something from completely doing anything. It's just oh, this guy can challenge, but it can still quest. I'd rather if it was stopping from questing than challenging. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even, even that wouldn't be good. I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't think that would be good, but it would be better. It would definitely <laughs> yeah, be better. Yeah. 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 yeah for sure. For sure. All right. So, next, not good. <laughs> next card is one that uh, is kind of interesting because I mean, Ruby Amethyst has been a, a a staple deck on this podcast. So if this card was in set one, would we play it over Gaston? So it is Deladuck in Ruby. Two cost, uninkable. Three three with Reckless. So two cards I want to compare this to. Compare it to Gaston, which already is inkable, and yeah. it's a four two, which re- really helped in set one, killing off like Cusco. That yeah. that four attack uh, was was really really key. And also, you just compare this to Madame Snake, and Madame Snake's infinitely better than this card. 
you know? Obviously, it doesn't have the restriction that, but if you're playing Madam Snake, you should be running enough one drops in your deck to make the snake, the snake worthwhile. So, uh, I just think this is a little bit too slow, but maybe in a deck that you don't, like, you want to do Ruby and something else that you really care about, a two cost three, three, and your ratio of uninkables to inkables is more inkables, and you can afford to play this card, maybe it's okay. Because uh, we have seen that two cost three threes are, are good in the game, right? So, yeah, they're yeah. very good. So, mm -hmm. this being uninkable is a little bit of a shame, and you don't, you wouldn't want to play this in like a deck where you play a lot of early game. I think maybe this is like your, if you play a very late game oriented deck, you can just jam this into your deck to somehow hope to survive the early game. If there's like lots of two threes in the meta, like Simba, where you can expect this to two for one a lot of the time. Um, so it's still like, it's still not a terrible card, but it will need very specific scenario to be good. Yeah, I mean, sure. I think <clears throat> meta context, this card could be super relevant. Um, I just like a lot of these control decks, like because some of the... Some of the top end things that can that control decks can do in Lorcana are just obscene, right? You can draw a lot of cards, um, they can wipe the entire board. Like some of these effects are so powerful. And it's like the kryptonite of those decks is just these aggro decks that get out and go under them. So this card is it's pretty powerful, especially if you're paying Ruby or something that's not amethyst, you don't have access to the modern min package. Let's be real, like is this card aggro though? Like just because because it can't quest, right? No, no, like, it's, not, it's, not, it's anti aggro. It's anti aggro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like if you're playing Ruby with another card for control, this is absolutely a card I would consider. Because a lot of those decks, like yeah. the only thing they lose to is like these aggro decks just going under them. Um, I think this card is great. Just for the 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 Gaston comparison, yeah, Gaston was played in in set one on just because of Cusco. Like it, it traded up in Cusco every time. Cusco is pretty much everywhere. Um and even outside of Cusco, I guess it all it usually traded up. So that's kinda that's And kinda, Simba. Yeah. That's kinda why we play. Kill Simba at least, yeah. Which is very important. So you can access the one drops. I think it's yep. a good card. We see a lot of aggro cards printed that are like oh they're so powerful, but this is a good card for control. I'm not saying it's going into every deck, but it's it's a tool that I would not be surprised to see decks utilize. I'm happy to see this in Ruby because it does. Uh, I mean, the deck we've been trying to get away as much as we love it is Ruby Amethyst. Like to try and finally start pairing, pairing Ruby with other in combinations. I think you can really consider this yeah. card in those control decks. Exactly. I don't think this goes into mm -hmm. Ruby Amethyst actually because the like Ruby Amethyst right now. Obviously, Amethyst has a lot of draw, but I feel like um, like a draw engine to draw more cards. But I feel like one of the reasons that Ruby has to be paired with Amethyst is also because that Madam Min package. Like, it's just too good. Uh, it's just too mm -hmm. good against, like, these early game threats. It was a huge upgrade to the deck. This gives you more but, flexibility in pairing Ruby with another color. Honest, honestly, um, may maybe I... So, with my circumstance, maybe this is play, but I think I'm starting to realize more and more how huge the uh, downside of this card is in comparison to Gaston, because with this being uninkable and reckless, that and not having rush, that means if you draw this... At any turn, like let's say uh, starting at like five ink, if you draw this, this might just not be playable for the rest of the game, or like it'd be a really bad card for the rest of the game. And you cannot ink it instead. You cannot use it to at least threaten like one one law instead. This will be almost dead in 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 some matchups. So, I think the downside to for including this card into your deck is huge. So, this is not that likely to see any play. I think. Interesting. For sure. Uh, our next card is Jim Hawkins, also a Ruby card, two cost inkable, three two vanilla card that just quests for one. I have to actually scroll back down just to see if that other Jim Hawkins was a Floodborne that had shift. It's not, and I actually can't remember if there's another Jim Hawkins that has shift. But cards like this to me, like vanilla cards that are just like two cost or whatever, 
and the stats are like whatever. Usually to me, it's just like, okay, is this... It doesn't really matter because whenever you evaluate shift cards, you should just be evaluating the cards itself. But it's something to consider that they probably print cards like this either just to, you know, have kind of filler or if it's going to be a, a, a future uh, shift card. Yep. Uh, next card is Morph, which we discussed yeah. uh, last week. And a lot of people had stuff to say. A lot of people were saying, oh, this card can be... Really, I think what we said was was fair. Honestly, um, I think a lot of people are talking about it because I don't know if you guys saw. This is actually Morph got an enchanted version, which is really funny because people cropped the enchanted version into like the painting of like Michelangelo in the in the like <laughs> in the like chapel or some shit, which was kind of funny. But um, yeah, we've already kind of talked about. This. Do you guys want to talk about this card anymore? It's two cost, inkable, two one. Basically, this can be your shift target for any character, essentially. So, any more thoughts on the so, card or just steal what you said? So, Morph, uh, this is basically reiterating what we talked about. Morph will be good um, if there is a character that has a shift, it has to shift onto something that's already expensive. So, if you're cheating resources by shifting it onto a two cost rather than, let's say there was something that was a nine cost and you have to shift it onto a five cost or something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that, then yeah, Morph would probably be your go to shift for that. Um, that's the main use case mm-hmm. that I see. Also, this like if you have a deck that is very, very dependent on you shifting a specific character, like that's your entire game plan and it is obscenely powerful, then yeah, Morph could just be you doubling the targets and able to shift that onto. Uh, that's the use case I see for Morph. Yeah, mm-hmm. or maybe if you have a lot of different uh, cards you want to shift on stuff, but you don't want to play all the different smaller characters for that. Yeah. Maybe Morph can be okay, but in general, I, I really don't see it. Yeah, in general, uh, shifting is bad the- too. Yeah. yeah, like mm-hmm. shifting is like a, you lose a card. Yeah, it's pretty bad, and you can get two for one. Like it's a, it's a, it's a not the best mechanic, and we've seen that play out so far in in Lorcana. Outside, of course, like obviously we know the Ember Steel decks exists. <laughs> it is shifting for a very specific reason, but overall, I think I think overall, yeah. In set two, the only card we really cared about shifting was pretty much the Queen. I don't, I, I can't think of any meta deck that really cared about the shift aspect in terms of actually yeah. getting that value steel. from that. It, it, it is just the most steel. about Queen, sometimes about the big stitch, sometimes about big Cinderella, but not That's that. That's pretty much it. I mean, like, think about think about Tremaine, oh, big, Yzma. Big, big Tinkerbell was so like, Tinkerbell well, big Tinkerbell shifting is, just, is important like, because otherwise you tie to aggro sometimes. So coming sure, earlier can think- matter, but... I think that's the most relevant, but I think people have also accepted that just playing Tinkerbell for six is still very good. Like I, yeah. I've seen majority of players not run the three drop tink and just stick with the six cost. Um, yeah, also because you still have the option to like shift queen and just cast grab your sword or yeah. hard cast grab your sword, yeah. and then that's mm-hmm. usually good enough. All right, next card is a ruby card, Prince Eric, four cost and inkable two two quest for two. When this character is banished, you may banish chosen character. Initial thoughts on this one. I, I would like to see a, a, an additional effect on this card, like maybe uh, Ward, honestly. I think if this card had Ward as well, it would be quite good. Because then it's kind of like a, kind of like a better Cusco, a little bit of a cheaper Cusco with like weirder stats. But yeah, I, I'd like to see Ward because I, I would hate to play this four cost with Inkable 2-2 and then they just remove it. I would hate that so much. Yeah, but if they think- already had any board, at least... You're getting something out of it. Most cards can be. That's removed. true. That's true. That's true. So if they just remove this, then you're going to guarantee kill one of their things. Yeah, maybe it's okay. Yeah, I think the card's all right at first sight. The the stat line is a little bit low, so I'm afraid that, mm-hmm. let's say, 
I play it, next turn I quest, and then it gets traded, that the trade is so efficient for my opponent that me being able to banish one of their characters um, that they already had played, because they, they will trade, just, like, they trade they their will only keep character it first, either. and then they will play a big character. Yeah, and imagine that, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little afraid that that will happen too often, where we won't mm -hmm. get enough value out of um, the, the body and the effect together to make it worthwhile. But I sure. think in general, I, I can still discard seeing, uh, seeing play. I think it's still a decent card. Yeah. Brandon? Um, uh, it, it's tough. It's a tough card. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little expensive, to be honest, for the effect. But uh, it, is, it is a powerful effect. It's just like, in my opinion, I see the floor on this card being really, really bad in a lot of scenarios. And that's kind of, that's what I would like to avoid. Like you said, your opponent one for one trading it with nothing else on board. Your opponent trading it as an aggro deck. And basically they're trading this, they're trading this and not dying. They're trading this for something that has a, a X3 stat line. And then you're, you're pinging off like an, a one drop. So they attack you with a mm -hmm. one drop and you pinged off a one drop. It's like, it's, it's not, I think it's not great. So I think the floor is a bit dangerous with this card, but ultimately the effect could be, could be pretty powerful. Um, I, I guess I'll be, Pretty clear about my position is I I don't see myself immediately playing this card. Sure. sure. Yeah. Percent. Our next card is a Sapphire card, five cost inkable Tinkerbell, three four quest for two. Whenever one of your items is banished, you may put that card into your inkwell face down and exerted. Do we think this is a little bit too slow? in a ramp deck or do we think it's okay because we can ramp into this early and then you kind of get like like would you put this into an item deck now is my question no sure never because that's uh, it's it's expensive and the effect is is so conditional and not that crazy well those item um, decks also are utilizing other things to ramp like uh, like the quill uh yeah, want to want to ramp hmm. earlier than that i don't want to play that have an item banish that item and then use that to ink also Flavorsham's way better than banishing. Like, if you, oh, do I gain one extra resource by banishing my card, or would I draw two cards? I'm drawing two cards. Yeah, like, also, Flavorsham is a 1 6 and can do it like multiple times. Okay, this is yeah, also yeah. repeatable, but uh, Flavorsham is a lot easier to repeat. Also, mm -hmm. um, the current item deck versions care about. Is it called Graveyard? Discard. Your discard my pile. discard pile, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they care about the items being in the discard pile. If you have to ink the item, then you can no longer get it back with um, Tamatoa with Nick, Nick Wild or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So they, I, I don't. I think this card's awful. All right. Uh, <clears throat> go ahead, Brandon. You want to say something? No? Oh, I just think it's too expensive. Yeah, I think it's too expensive. Mm -hmm. I, maybe you know, maybe like I don't know. I just feel like once you're at this ink value. I don't think it goes in the item decks whatsoever. Like those decks, um, like I, yeah, I just don't think it goes in those decks. But ultimately, yeah, it does, then it doesn't go into any deck. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there could be some sort of sapphire-based control deck that doesn't use items in the future, but I still think that for ramp, it's just too slow. I'd rather be ramping with cheaper cards. Yeah, but if you don't use items, then this effect doesn't do anything. It's weird because the effect, uh, well, whenever one of your items is banished, that's actually hilarious. Yeah. Um, it's weird because yeah it's a non-bow with the item decks of course but yeah it's weird because you're turning your banished you're basically turning into the banishing of your item into a drawing like drawing a card and ink because you'd be inking the card yeah yeah i think it's bad mm -hmm. i think it's bad i'll say that i'm willing to be wrong i think it's bad next card is also sapphire card also five cost inkable audrey ramirez two five with ward quest for two whenever this character quests ready one of your items 
you'll see maybe some value where this card has when we look at the next two items we're going to talk about but i do think it's maybe too much of a dream um but i don't know i i, I think this effect is kind of powerful if you combo it with the correct item mm. but it's also yeah i don't know i, I think you might like we, we can try evaluate this card once we see the other two item cards but i don't think it's going to instantly be like oh we, we run four of these all the time like well, you know what i mean the uh it's it the ward and the ability are a nonbo. Um, yes. Because ward, you want ward, what does it, mean? it means like a not combo, right? Like it's the mm. opposite of a combo. No, but it is a combo. I feel like. How is it a nonbo? Because if you have something with ward, you genuinely, you generally don't, don't want to be quest questing with it. With it. You want yeah. a static effect where this has ward, but no. it quests, so it can be killed. No, that, that's com it's completely a combo because this having ward means it will get to quest at least once a lot more often than if it didn't have ward. So I think it, com it it completely synergizes with an effect that's on quest, even if it's if you, even if you only get it off once, but you will get it off once more often than if it didn't have what. Interesting. Yeah, I think with ward, I would rather that be on a static ability than something that makes sure, me tap, but, tap my character. Uh, but it's still very good on an on quest ability because of what I said. But because let's say the usual answer would to this would be dragonfire or and that then card. along came yeah. Zeus. Uh, and suddenly those won't be options and this will you will if like very often get this effect off so if you can set up an item where this effect's powerful i think a 2-5 ward you get this effect off once I, I think this card has potential i think it's i think it's fair to say i think basically how we're looking at it brendan is like we're really caring about the two lore here but maybe we shouldn't be we should be just caring about the effect because the effect if you combo with a certain card is probably good enough but where that where, no, but the, where all of that together is just mm -hmm. decent. Yeah, sure. I sure, think sure. for me it's like uh when you put ward on a card, you pay a cost for it. Um because it doesn't come for free, right? It, it you pay a I theoretically you pay a stat line cost, mm -hmm. you pay a cost cost, like mm -hmm. a five cost. Uh where you pay a lore a lore cost. And I would rather not pay the ward cost on a card like this. I'd rather have a different ability, I think, sometimes um than ward. So like ward for me on something that has to quest is just a little bit less value. The the ability is really hard for me to evaluate because currently there's no items that are yeah so like that's that's the part we can't really evaluate i'm just <laughs> saying the baseline is so like decent already that as soon as we get like a little bit of value out of the out of the effect then i think the card already has potential okay sure so this is uh, not bulk yeah okay okay <laughs> next card is a ruby card item pre-cost inkable sumerian talisman uh, with an effect source of magic during your turn whenever one of your characters is banished in a challenge you may draw a card uh mine's laughing go on no, tell us mine uh that was before i heard the word in a challenge i thought this was uh dinner bell synergy uh, but it's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think this card's really bad to be honest mm. like yeah you might be able to draw it's a card with it but yeah, it's just yeah. it's just terrible rate to be honest. Like you have to understand that when you play this card, you're also kind of discarding this card. Um, so you have to draw like two cards with it. Even then, the rate isn't good because it's three cost songs that draw two cards. Like it's just yeah. a it's just a terrible card outside of item synergy. Uh, sure, I think I think it's I think some people could think this card's good. I think the, the sure. easiest um, way to explain why I don't think it's that good is uh, because. Inherently, when you're challenging a character with a character, the way you want to be challenging characters is that their character dies and yours survives. Mm -hmm. the, 
the challenges you do where both characters die or just yours are not not that worthwhile. It's not that those are not the challenges you want to be doing. So, but that only those challenges are the ones you will be profiting off with this card. So you don't gain extra value on challenges you all want to already want to be doing. You just gain some value on challenges that are a little bit uh, mid to do. Yeah, so, this card this card would be a lot better if you it was when. I don't yeah. actually I don't know about a lot better, but it would be better if it said instead of whenever a character is banished. In the in sure. Challenge. Yeah, would be a lot better. Or, or whenever one of your characters challenges an opposing character, I think even that would be better than if the condition is one of your characters needs to be banished. Oh, sure. That's and that's a card. That's a text that we already have in the card, right? I think that's the queen's text. Is like whenever mm-hmm. you challenge a card, then you draw cards. Good. Yeah, I think All I right. think that on an item could be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sacrifice. I don't know. It, this may may lead to situations where you have the option to do a bad trade, but at least you draw a card, and you will be considering, oh, is is this even worthwhile? And that's why I don't think you're getting that much value out of the Sumerian talisman. Yeah, mm-hmm. this card is unplayable for me. So even in item synergy decks, you still want your items to cost less than three as well. So yeah, I would be right. unplayable. Okay, this here is we go, card. boys. The the big the big legendary item, the first legendary item in Lorcana, seven cost uninkable sapphire card, lucky dime, with the effect number one. Uh, top pay two, choose a character of yours and gain lore equal to their lore <laughs> yes we did review a card where you can cheat this card out but oh, man i don't know if you can play this for seven ink and not instantly <laughs> lose the game can you imagine <laughs> just the game to a benja yeah. yeah can you mm-hmm. imagine if someone benjured this yeah not, so oh, you can't no, you can't evaluate yeah you can't evaluate all cards on the context of like oh if my opponent uses his tech card but i also think that you can't pay seven for this like that's just yeah. no you can't uh, it's you just really can't. way too classic turn for this but cheating this out there's a lot of potential for this suddenly uh you can just play i think the easiest application is is it alice the one that quests for four if, if you have ten or is it five she quests for five if you have yeah, a character with extra. ten i think so yeah. yeah yeah so no 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 not that cut i mean uh, i meant the one where you have like bell, ten ink bell, 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 right? bell, yeah so i think the easiest application for this is bell but still you need to be cheating out the item because i think it's too much of a tempo loss to play. So, so yeah. redeeming qualities, you can, you can, I think this is getting ink, uh, was it ink flesh? What, what's the quill? This get fish, fishbone quilled. Yeah. This <laughs> flesh fishbone bone. Quilled. Yeah. I think this is getting quilled like 95% of the time in your hand. Well, that's actually an upside sure. though, is you can play a card this bad in your deck. Cause well, it's, I mean, outside of some of this, like, like these specific scenarios, this card is so bad. Um, at least you can turn it into a resource in some of these decks. I still think like, yeah, it's just so clunky. Well, that's an upside for Quill, not, not an yeah, upside, upside for, for Quill. Yeah, this, card. yeah it's a, this card's a stretch. Yeah, it's, card's as a soon stretch. as I saw this card, I was like, bro, people play Benji against me. It's the worst feeling ever. It, it even, is such a bad that, feeling. Even without that. Like, you yeah, can't, even just passing to play this, yeah. You can't do it for yeah. seven. For seven, that's <laughs> yeah. so expensive. Like, your opponent's yeah. dropping, like, Ursula-level power cards, and you're dropping yeah. this. It's like, <laughs> okay. this, yeah. you have okay. to have a board for this, too. Like, mm-hmm. but I, but the, no, you don't have to have a board because oh, true, you can play, play something after. Just yeah. play it and activate Turn it. Eight. Let's say you, okay, let's say we have cheated out this lucky dime somehow because okay. otherwise it's pretty bad. But then that also the synergy with Audrey Ramirez comes into play That's because suddenly said, yeah. we play. Oh yeah, we, we play the Ramirez. Yeah, yeah. It has ward. They can't deal with it. And the next turn we are threatening to play Bell and then use lucky dime twice and suddenly that's ten law in one turn. Yeah, that without, a board. Mm-hmm. without a bot. Without a bot. 
But that's no, actually three card combo. No, it's twelve. It's twelve. It's twelve lore, because Swami was also quests for two. So that's a that's gonna be a three card combo. One of the cards is, in my opinion, Lucky Dime. Without that combo, is a very very bad card. Ramirez mm. is more playable just as its vanilla stat, like it's just as a stat line. Yeah. And then Scrooge McDuck, the cheater, uh, I guess is is serviceable. I guess it's serviceable without the effect. So well. The deck you guys are kind of describing is probably a deck I think people will experiment with because I'm not going to get into it yet, but I think I will say Sapphire Amethyst, I think, will be a deck that will be very much experimented at the start because there's another card that we will see down the line. It doesn't, what I'll say is it doesn't actually combo with Lucky Dime. It does combo with Lucky Dime, but people thought you could basically get like 14 lore in by in one turn turn by doing it, but I just want to note on Lucky Diamond does say choose a character of yours and gain lore equal to their lore. So it does work with cards like Bell. It does work with 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 other cards. But there's a specific card I'm gonna you're gonna, gonna see in a little bit that doesn't have lore printed on the card, but it gains lore through doing like a tapped ability or something like that. So some people got confused that oh you just gain whatever lore this card gained, but it's not printed on the card. So yeah, we'll get into it anyways. Can you uh, uh, choose your own? I, I just forget. Can you choose your own characters if they have ward? Uh, yes, because yes, I do believe so. Opponents can choose. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, okay, next card is a song. It's a Sapphire song. Five cost, inkable friend like me. Each player puts the top three cards of their deck into their inkwell, face down, and exerted. What do you think? I think it's too slow. I think it's like the the just the thesis of ramp. Like ramp wants to be doing other things on turn five than accelerating. Uh, ramp accelerates on turns that are not turn five. I mean. This is like you're like turbo ramping, right? Like you're you're mm-hmm. you're whole new worlding like after you do this, I guess, and you're whole, whole new worlding the turn the turn after. Um, I don't know. It just it it doesn't seem great to me. I'd rather I feel like I'd rather mm-hmm. be ramping with the cheaper stuff. But yeah, but maybe this enables ramp in decks that don't play a whole new world because usually you ramp on the cost of hand size. Mm-hmm. But this card enables just symmetrical ramp. But at least you still have hand size, so maybe. Maybe you can ramp an Amber with this and just mm. play Ariel and sing this and then just play a bigger deck than your opponent. Yeah, but I think you would always, like, and I know what I'm saying is to be obvious, you'd, you, like, if that was a scenario, you'd, you'd always rather play the deck that plays the early stuff and then plays Whole New World. Like, Shift plays a Whole New World and gets, like, the massive card advantage, right? It like is the, probably the, the, better, the yeah. symmetrical effect of this is, like, a huge downside. Also, it's a turn five play. That's my thoughts. No, it's not a turn five play because we, I, I'm yeah. singing this. I yeah, think if we podcast this, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. And if we sing it, it's also not very good. But I think we need to be singing it for it to be okay. Yeah. Okay. I think the, the symmetry is going to be rough. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. also because your opponent is the first one to be using the resources. It's not even symmetrical ramp, and you're the first one to get the advantage. Yep. And, that, and that's an important distinction as well. Yeah, it's very important. All right, cool. Next card is an Amber card. One cost, Inkable, 2-2. Two, two. Uh, Kida, quest for one. That's it, just a vanilla card. I will say that there is a card that you can shift onto after with this card. So if you just want to play the one cost for a shift target, it's fine. Um, next card is an Amber card. It's four cost, uninkable, Heart of Atlantis. Uh, top, you pay two less for the next character you play this turn. So basically like a double-costed Lantern. Lantern, yeah. No, hmm. interesting. I don't know. Like, uh, can you cheat this out somehow with Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck? I think like, it's I more know. about like wheeling your hand, right? Because that's I think that's where 
some of those like things like lantern are, are so powerful is because you put down these like uh these persistent items that consistently give you resource advantages and then you cast the um i said wheel but whole new world and you get the the card the card asymmetry where you draw way more cards than your opponent and now you have these persistent things from your previous hand that are enabling you to do powerful things on this this new hand your opponent maybe only got like two cards off of that you got seven um i just wonder if this is ever better than lantern Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's very okay. It's not very different than Lantern, but it's it can Lantern is more to give you a little bit more resources each turn. Lantern is like very early ramp. I would say this card is more like maybe to cheat out a seven cost on five specifically, mm-hmm. or a six cost uh, an eight cost on six. Uh, also, I you can activate it the turn you play it, so you want to be playing two drops in a deck like this so at least the turn you play it you don't lose all your tempo but at least you're developing something it's the but the thing is when i i think lantern was always like borderline good enough to be played in like very competitive decks and i think the biggest reason for that was that taking not playing a two drop on two wasn't the most tempoless it was still okay because two drops were not the greatest standard cards in the game mm-hmm. um I don't know if you'll get away with playing a two drop on four as easily as getting as not as as playing a one drop on two. Um but that being said, the the payoff is also a little bit bigger. I, I think this card's probably a bit worse than Lantern, but it's it's still with all its similarities, it's still very different, I think. I think we, we it's exactly what you said. I think we really gotta see if there's any really good seven cost cards that you really want to come out on five, but is that better to just play this and then bring it out, or mm. is like a shift thing? better because by you know what i mean like, i i think that's that's probably the key thing where this card sees uh well, could see some play i think like cheating uh, like uh well you can do like on turn five cheating in ursula would this be mm-hmm. like there's just cards that are not designed to come down on turn five um they can be super powerful but yeah but it's not even ursula right ursula's a very powerful card but it's not like you're getting that much extra out of it by playing it earlier let's say you're losing tempo turn four just to play a big butt on on five, and your what 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 will your opponent do? They're they're not AFK. They can just play something on four, play something on five, quest with all of their stuff, and suddenly you might you might not even be able to quest with Ursula because you have to be keeping your board in check. Yeah, we'll see. This is a this is a really powerful effect from what I understand in something like Magic, like these what they would mm-hmm. call like mana rocks. So yeah, and Hearthstone this would also be great. Yeah, but there's like a. It, it it depends on the expensive cards. How can they swing uh, the game? And I think with what we current, currently have, they don't swing the game by that much. And that's the reason why maybe we are not evaluating these cards to buy. Yeah. Sure. That's fair. All right. Next card is Lyle Tiberius Rourke. Emerald. Three cost, uninkable, two four, like quest for one. With an ability that says, when you play this character, chosen opposing character gains reckless during their next turn. Also, whenever one of your other characters is banished, each opponent loses one lore. So this kind of seems like just like an all-round decently started three cost, but it's obviously uninkable, which is a huge drawback. Uh, it doesn't blow me out of the water right right away, right? It just it just means like maybe the reckless when you unplay it means that something can't quest immediately. Uh, so even in the late game, maybe this is okay. Whenever one of your other characters is banished, each opponent loses one lore. This seems like a re- this kind of seems like a weird emerald control card, but I don't know if we've seen many emerald control decks. Like I don't even know if I played in it, you know. 
Oh, I don't. Okay, I, 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 at first sight, I'm impressed with this card. I, okay. I think this card's really good, and I don't think it's necessarily control. It's more like a mid-rangey tempo tool where it's decently studded, and every time it does does come down, it already prevents some victory points not not being given to your opponent. Plus, there will be the scenarios where this that, that those will be the scenarios where this card will be best is where you give reckless to a card. Not just so that it can cross, but also so that your opponent is forced to just kill off to their kill own character. one of your things, which then makes them lose yeah, they, one lore so they, as well. Yeah, sure, you, sure. You, have, you have like a big butt. They, they can't quest. They're forced to trade into your big butt, and they lose. Um, okay, m- mm-hmm. maybe your big butt's so big that it doesn't die, and then they don't lose the lore. But I think overall, this this card's pretty powerful. I think so far we have we've had a lot of cards that I think are good enough that they have the potential to see to, to see play under the right circumstances. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with the cards that we've revealed so far. <laughs> but Fnatic said it was bulk. Okay, I'm sorry, Fnatic. <laughs> 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 My last take. Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with Moyen. I think that this... If I had to get... So if I had to give a contrarian opinion, I had to gamble, you know, for the risk of my reputation, I would say this card won't be played. I'd, I'd take that line, you know, I'd take that risk, I'd take that gamble. But I think it's good for all the reasons that Moyen said it's good. You know? Wait, this is so much... Wait. So much worse this, or better than you think? No, no, this is even better. This, you, you can even... Like, let's say late game, you need to be... Okay, this won't come up all the time, right? It's still... This is, we're talking about the same challenges um, as in Sumerian Talisman, where sometimes you will... Maybe you will already need to take traits where your characters die. And then you just play this down to do some of these trades, and your opponent's already losing lore. Maybe this can even, like, let's say your opponent's threatening lethal, and this is one of the f- only ways that you could even true. have to get out of it. I think you it. could you could get a big lore swing out of this that your opponent has set up a board that if you not, don't have an efficient way to clear it, and but but it is very conditional then, right? Like, yeah, they've set up a board that if you can't clear it well, you need to have a lot of characters on the board to then also make them force force them. So like. So- yeah, yeah. I, I, I know that this is conditional, but the reason I care about this a lot more than I usually would is that that's not the only thing this card does. I think this card's baseline mm-hmm. is good in is is pretty good already. And then you also have some conditions under which it can do a lot more than its baseline. Mm. I like the flexibility. Like I do yeah, agree I that if you had this card in your deck, yeah, the the effect would be applicable early game, mid game, and late game. Yes, which mm-hmm. is which is very important because. One of the biggest downsides of any card that's uninkable is that it's uninkable. But I think uninkable cards that are applicable at all stages of the game are a lot better than uninkable cards that are also sometimes not very good. But I, th- I think this, I-, I like this card. Yep, I agree. Okay, next card is filler, but again, it's just a shift target. It's an emerald card, one cost, inkable, 2-2, two, two, quest for one, Milo, Thatch. Leading into the Floodborne Milo patch with an Emerald, 7 cost, uninkable, 4-4, four, four, quest for 3, with an ability reading, when this character is banished, return all opposing characters to their player's hands. So it uh, gives me Vanish vibes from, from Hearthstone. Yeah. What do you think, Moyen? But, but it's slow, I don't know. Yeah, it's slow, you can't just activate the effect immediately, at least not very easily. Shift so, 4 is pretty, uh, seems pretty interesting. Shift 4, quest sure. for 3. Can't put your opponent's entire board. Your, your own board as well, but yeah. And then also, 
your most of the time your opponent. It's not sorry, the... Brendan. It's not. It's not your own board. It's returned all opposing characters. It's not your board it's as well. Asymmetric? Oh, it's symmetric. Oh, what the? F- I, th- I thought it was symmetric at oh, first that's because you were <laughs> comparing it to vanish. That's why. Um, that's pretty so it's better than vanish. Sorry, yeah, I, I confused you guys right by saying vanish, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay, now I'm a now I'm a bit higher because at first I thought okay. I, Every time I have this on the board, my opponent can choose when they kill it and then reset the board, then develop themselves. But you're still keeping your shadows. This card is potentially busted, I think. This card is so good. I don't know. Like, I think you, well, you have to virtually. But you still need to be shifting you it. You need mostly, to be shifting right? it. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it just seems kind of crazy because, like, I don't know. The, the question it's for three, giving something reckless. It's even a card that. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, because even when you're not shifting this, maybe there's some board states where like they're very threatening, but you can take the law swing, um, if you just ignore it, and then you just play down this card, and suddenly your opponent is in the spot where they can either like quest with all their characters, then banish this, then all their cards get bounced, and then they after so they already invested some resources into banishing it, then they need to redevelop, so then it already did a lot of things, and if if they can't banish it, um. There's the scenario where either you can trade this off so it dies to bounce other characters, or you can just develop behind it and keep this this thread on the board that yeah. will reset the board at some point. You're playing green or, or, as well. You it, can give everything reckless as well. Like you have yeah. you have re- mm. you have so much access to reckless, uh, forcing your opponent's stuff to have reckless. That is, mm-hmm. and also maybe if you com- can combine this with a color where you can sacrifice this card for some dinner bell. <gasps> <laughs> maybe the, the, the synergy. So it needs to be da- damage for the novel, right? But yeah, maybe some card that that has some payoff for sacrificing can also oh, can also work well with it. It's just like a insane tempo exchange that's like being presented with this card. Like I don't know. There's just a lot of this card that I feel like could have been worded differently, and the card would still be pretty good. So it says when this character is banished. I feel like this card could have said like when this card is. You know, when your opponent, not when it's like only when it's attacked, right? So you have to give it reckless. Your opponent can play around it. I think it would still be relevant. You still give things reckless, but this gives you the flexibility to attack it with yourself, which is crazy. And then return all opposing characters to their players' hands. Like I, I couldn't. I read it the other way because I couldn't fathom that it was just your opposing, <laughs> your opposing yeah. characters. Like that's this is a really is powerful. There, is there ever is there ever a time though where if your opponent can choose to like, you know, let's just say this card is exerted, right? You've got your three lore, your opponent mm-hmm. can can kill it, but your opponent just quests with all of their stuff and then... And then obviously, they play gold and then kill it. And bam, they bam. do bounce, bounce stuff. Like, like is it... So it's I don't a, know. I can, just, I can just see my loss. opponent. Yeah, yeah, you're saying you're, they're getting yeah. advantage because they're questing, but they still have to. They have to deploy all that. They have to use all their ink to redeploy. All their ink can do it again. Yeah, like, sure. Or or if it's an, or if it's a card that they care about that they want to replay again. Yeah. But this this would only. I mean, yeah. I, I what I'm saying is this is only be applicable if you're facing a deck that really cares about bouncing their cards, which you know maybe in this meta it would be interesting against. But in set three, who knows? You know, so. Yeah, like the, all the Merlins would be very good against this card. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The rabbit. Yeah. I, there's also some counterplay to this because it says when this character is banished, so you could instead put it into Inkwell with cards like Hades, mm. um, or you could just bounce bounce it to their hand instead. Um, so then this this effect doesn't always apply. It's not just when this leaves the battlefield. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, so- the TLDR for me is uh, I think this card is really powerful. I do. I don't. It doesn't mean it's going to be a pop meta contender, but I think it's a very, very powerful card. For me, it's not. It's 
it's not the first cut. I think in general this set there have been a lot of cards that are a lot harder to evaluate than last set. Like mm-hmm. that that are very that are very interesting in how they play out. I think there's a lot more blatantly powerful cards too. Like I know you said that they were yeah, more too. contextual, but there are more cards where I'm just like this is wild. Yeah. Like yeah, at it, least at least now it's oh okay, under this context that is very that is a reasonable context, this card can be very powerful and has potential. While I feel like last set there was a lot of cards that we I think rightfully trashed as like there's no circumstance that will ever cure uh, like happen where this card will be good. So it's just bad. You know what's funny mm-hmm. is I can actually see myself playing this card, this uh Milo Thatch in uh like blue, blue green, uh sapphire emerald in a ramp deck. Because I feel mm-hmm. like if the sure. if our if the if our ink if our inkwell is asymmetric, like it just it just increases the advantage I'm getting with this card incredibly. I'm also getting this card out faster than turn seven, and I can sing with this card. So I'm singing like I potentially can sing some nasty stuff with this card as well. Um, Let it go stuff like that. One yeah. one playline already like that's that's already possible. Would be you just go Milo Thatch on one, mm-hmm. and then on two you ramp with the with the two cost ramp card. What's yeah, one jump ahead. One yeah, ahead. one jump ahead, yeah. and then on, on three, you're already playing this card. Yeah, that is... And then, <laughs> and then it can already, like, reset the board, and you're maybe one uh, one ink ahead of your opponent already. Yeah, yeah. seems seems interesting, for sure. Speaking of Milo Tatcha, the next card is another Milo Tatcha. It's a ruby card, two-cost, inkable 2-2. Two, two. That quest for one, while this character is at a location, he gets plus two attack. So, honestly, like, uh, okay... A, a two cost inkable two two converted one cost inkable two two is a lot worse. But as a shift target, if that's really what you care about, and locations are just going to be in your deck as well, if you're playing some type of emerald ruby deck, mm. and this card just seems like it's maybe okay. Like, like I think it's relevant that this card, when he's at location, gets plus two attack because then he can kill trade into anything that has the four health or has the three health that it could be okay. But I think still comparable to the one drop, the one drop is a lot better, but if you really want to shift targets, it, it could be playable. Situational yeah. cast on without reckless, right? Yep. Yeah, so like, yep. I, but I think for this to be a good card, you would need like a location where this, you can move this or play this at for free. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then this well, like just wait, just wait boy, and there's, there's a few of those. There's a few free. Needs, but because like, the, I think if this is often a 4-2 and sometimes a 2-2, it's still a pretty bad card. I think this needs to be like always a 4-2 because even 4-2 is not that crazy of a stat line because it's only mm. 2 HP. Yep, Lycan is all about big butts. Yep. Alright, next card is Helga Sinclair within Steel, 3 cost, Inkable 2, 4, Quest for 1, Challenger, plus 2. This is basically just the 3 cost, 4, 4. But not that, like, kind of, just as Challenger, plus 2. Yeah. Uh, um, seems... I mean, listen, it, it, in my opinion, what I'll say for this card is we've seen that Captain Hook can be playable just as a potential 1 cost, 3, 2, where I need the shift stuff. We've seen that Prince Eric has kind of been playable as well, just as a kind of a 3-3 three, three. so yeah, this, is... this card could be could be seen yeah it's just a fine card to print honestly that's okay so it... under mm-hmm. the right if 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 this deadline will be good this card could be good it's like because i think it's easiest code to compare this to prince eric because it's just mm-hmm. one extra ink one extra willpower one extra whatever yep. the other thing's called yeah so the thing is is that both of those cards prince eric and captain hook are, are three attacks and they cost one mm. and two respectively and three yep. is a break point to trade up four is not really a break point to trade up on true um, you would want to look for five to significantly trade up on resource with this card also i will say just as a fundamental like uh set three challenger is better than has ever been challenger affects locations <laughs> like it is a more <laughs> relevant ability it's not insanely better but it's just something to consider that challenger uh is going to be more relevant as locations are played sure but but it's also just like 
right now the breakpoints are like three and five, and now with the with the new removal card maybe six. But like that can always change because mm-hmm. we haven't seen the entire set yet. So if if four is a breakpoint, this card's good. Mm-hmm. Next card is also steel card, two cost, inkable two three Kida quest for one bodyguard. Basically, Simba for steel. Only notable thing I'd say is uh, the hero on princess. So if you care about the princess tag, uh, I think Simba's actually also like prince. So what was that guy's name in set two? Like the royal duke? If, like I think that uh, we talked about this. I think last yeah. set that was one card that we said like in future sets. If you literally if all of your cards are just good and they happen to be princesses, prince, kings, queens, that card suddenly is just it's fine, just fine to play, honestly. So, uh, yeah, I think she's good. Again, also another shift target for the card you guys will see soon. Um, mm. But the next card we have here is an Amber card, Bernard, four cost, inkable, one five, uh, quest for two, a stat line that we're very familiar with being the Rapunzel card. Uh, this card reads, at the end of your turn, if this character is exerted, you may ready another chosen character of yours. Um I don't know. I mean, uh, just instantly comparing this to Rapunzel, uh, no, nothing compares to Rapunzel in my opinion for this cost, this stat line and stuff. But again, maybe if you care about a deck that you want to protect your characters, he could he could see some play. This is a weird card to evaluate, in my opinion. I would think? really, I'd be willing to take the gamble. This card is not playable. I do see, sure, the, I do see the, I do see the application. Right, you've got a this crazy card that quests for a lot and you don't want it to mm-hmm. be maybe even has ward right so maybe it's mm-hmm. even like the only way that your opponent can usually deal with this card is once it quests they attack into it so this is preventing that um but yeah this card so the reason why this card is really bad even in that scenario is like it only happens once you quest with this care like you exert this character you unready the others or sorry you ready the others and this character gets killed and then you've lost that effect and you're playing this four cost one five also yeah on four you're playing this and it has no effect right because yeah. the card's yeah. not going to be exerted when it comes down it's only the next turn so i think just playing a four cost one five like think about the the comparability i think playing a four cost one five the quest for two that actually does something really relevant like rapunzel yeah. is actually really good the stat line is fine like five health for for the two quests is, is pretty good but this card isn't instantly doing this if this card was kind of like i don't know if this card was like lefou when you played it and you're ready would it be better yeah probably for, i think yeah. it would be yeah. I, have, I have a question though is the four cost slot in amber just doomed because rapunzel will just overshadow like <laughs> everything that's ever printed? Uh, not necessarily we've, we've seen rapunzel see like it's what wasn't a four four off in in every amber deck There's, there was some decks that yeah, but, but I think what Brenda's saying is like there's no four drop you'd rather no, play. No, I think Rapunzel, I think I they think could so. they could totally exist. It's just Okay. If you care a lot more about like it proactively being stronger than Rapunzel, because Rapunzel isn't like it's it's not really a four drop four drop. It's like it's a four cost card that can be very good at later stages of the game. It's not just like this card that you want to always be playing on four. I think there could be a better on curve four drop. But regarding Bernard, I think there's there's another problem with the card is so if, for you to be getting value out of the effect, you need to play it. You need to already have something on the board that survives until next turn. And mm-hmm. Bernard needs to survive until next turn. Your opponent has to... to um, the effect's not that crazy even if it goes off, but for your opponent to prevent the effect from going off, all that they need to do is either kill Bernard, or let's say or you have only one character yeah. on the board, they just kill that character and suddenly you have this Bernard, and it can only be the effect can only be used on another chosen character that's you need like a rush card, right? That once, it, once it's exerted, right? You need a rush card that would then come. You need another yeah. card that somehow comes down, gets tapped on the same turn that Bernard's yeah, effect is going to happen. Yeah, to pick up again, like it's like a Mario. Too, too many things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's too slow and not 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 impressive enough. 
All right, next card is a ruby card. It's an action. Voyage, one cost, inkable. Move up to two characters yours to the same location for free. Uh, for free. Yeah. <laughs> I just for love free. the way they phrase that. Like it's, uh, I feel like it happens in real life where you, you pay like 70 bucks to go to like a, a, a movie or something. It's like, oh, but you get free popcorn. It's like, wait, I paid 70 bucks to get in here. <laughs> it's Because like, you have to pay an ink and this card. It's not, I mean, Obviously, yep. that's templating on the card, but it's just, it's funny. I feel like um, it's hard for me to distill this thought down, but in my opinion, at least so far, is that cards that have uh, bonus effects from moving have that move, that that bonus effect baked into their cost. So, like, because they have an effect that makes them more powerful for moving, they might have a lower stat line, they might be more expensive, they might be uninkable. So... I'd rather be trying to do that f for free in like other ways. You know, I don't want to cast an entire <laughs> other card on top of that and lose an ink. Yeah. It's, it says for free, but in reality it says uh, pay a card and pay one ink <laughs> yeah. and then do it. Yeah, the difference the difference if this was on a an actual body, where, where, where you said, right, Brendan, where, where like this effect was taken into consideration with the cost, but the fact that this is just like a one cost separate kind of thing this is like the boat this is like the boat it's like when you buy the laptop and you get the usb key for free this is just like the, the usb key this is <laughs> like what this yeah. card is just a good lesson for life and that things that people that are said to be free sometimes aren't free are not free yeah. Yeah. usually they're not usually they're not uh yeah, okay next very bad yeah next card is kind of interesting it, it, it uh i i definitely like it it's an emerald card uh, cursed Merfolk, one cost, uninkable, zero one. Whenever this character is challenged, each opponent chooses and discards a card. But it quests for two. So, I mean, in a meta where a card, let's say, like Robin Hood exists, where this just tops and then it dies, this card's not that it's good. It's just another right? Flynn Rider, right? Like it's a cheaper, cheaper Flynn Rider. Cheaper Flynn Rider, good against again, like you said, Brennan. If you're giving cards, if you're giving cards reckless, just to kill this, right? But like, is that I mean, do you want to kill, give a card reckless to kill this? Like, I, I don't know, you know? So Flynn Rider, um, like this card is always going to be a one for one uh, because mm -hmm. this doesn't attack back. It'll never kill the thing mm -hmm. that's attacking it. It's just a tempo loss for your opponent. Um, I think because of that, it's maybe a little bit worse than Flynn Rider. I know Flynn Rider being a one, two is not really killing anything, but it can, like it's irrelevant for it to have one attack. I think things having mm -hmm. zero attack is like infinitely worse than one. Um, so it's an onboard one for one. I think it's possible, like, even though the value exchange rate on this this card is not fantastic, I think it's very possible to be played because the kind of decks this is played in are aggro decks where a one cost, yep. a quest for two is obnoxious at first, you know, just first of all, that's obnoxious. And then those cards are just trying to kind of tempo your opponent out in the early game. So making the discard a card is relevant where they can cast maybe more discard spells. Like there's a critical maximum of discard effects you can have in the early game to where your opponent just has zero cards in hand. They're not able to ink. They're like choosing between inking and playing every turn. And they're on like two, like two ink in their ink. Well, it's, yeah. I think it's a good so card. This, this in conjunction with Flynn Rider um, can make it. So you have a very aggressive game plan where your opponent isn't allowed to play their normal game plan, because not only do they need to be uh, trading into these or killing these, so they don't immediately lose, but also doing so, they lose the, the so much hand size that they can't uh, ink how they would usually ink, play the cards that they would usually play. Maybe they have to play with a lower ink count than, they usually, than the deck is intended to do. So I think this card is, is very, very good for that. And just comparing this to the one cost uninkable one once that quest for two those often get traded down in a way where them 
having the one attack doesn't matter as much, right? Of course it matters, but they often get traded down at some point where it didn't really matter that they dealt one one damage back. And this can do the same thing, but mm. make them lose a card instead of take yeah. one damage on on the characters. I think this card. It's actually yeah, is, it's nuts. It's really good. Mm. I uh I totally forgot about something I was talking about. It is it like other cards that are one cost uninkables that quest for two, and they exist. Maleficent, Lilo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They actually don't. So I said they don't this, care about the one attack at all. Well, it's not. It's not even that. It's like those. I said that this card one for one trades your opponent. Therefore, it the value is not that good. But in the context, like the cards that have the stat line don't even one for one trade and they're still good like lilo doesn't trade yeah they give lore so the fact that this gives that amount of lore that lilo and like maleficent do and it guaranteed one almost guaranteed let's be real it's not guaranteed but nearly guaranteed one for one's your opponent as well that's where this card is very powerful yeah also maybe let's say you play this on one splin okay okay against against the deck that can't just like um kill this without challenging these cards. But against a deck that cannot do that, you just play this on one, let's say Flynn White on two, and then you play Prince John and Quest with both of them. And then <laughs> suddenly they're not one for one. Yeah. And this card's really good. Really good. I agree. Next card is a Sapphire item, four cost, inkable, vault door. Your locations and characters at locations gain resist plus one. Um... I mean, I would say this is most comparable to the, what is it, Four Dozen Eggs? That's a, well, actually, not, that's not even comparable, right? The Four Dozen Eggs is a song that gives all of your characters resist plus two. It's kind of like um, mouse armor. Maybe mouse armor. Yeah. yeah so I was looking like back armor. at one of our videos. Honestly, mouse armor was probably <laughs> cut. It was too high on. Yeah, yeah. I was looking back at one of our videos and like, Brandon's such a dumbass. Like, Because <laughs> <laughs> I said mouse armor is not good. And everybody's like, oh, Moyen is just so much smarter than Brandon. Yeah, I'd... Uh, resist one is... It's not irrelevant. Like it's it's a relevant uh, thing for your characters to have, but I don't think you can pay four and a card for it. Also, they only get it when they're at location. Sorry, your locations and characters, not when they're at locations. I just, yeah, I don't think you can pay four an entire card for resist one. Uh, it's too slow. It's not a good enough payoff. Never has been. Um, I'd be surprised if it is in the future. Sure. Yeah, it can give a lot of like in theory it can give a lot of things with this plus one for the entire game, but it's I still I I see the cost of the card and for ink also being very very high, so we need to be playing this in a deck where we play almost exclusively locations and cards that are immediately at locations or remove them there very quickly mm-hmm. for this to be okay. So it's. It's a little mediocre, I think. I'll call it unplayable. and come back okay. to me with <laughs> you. You'll give it the mouse armor treatment, then we'll come back and see <laughs> next set. Uh, okay, uh, we're going to do two more cards, guys, and then we're going to leave it at that, and then we'll come back and do the rest next oh, week. Oh, we got a German card as well. Yeah, you're going to have to test Moyen's, ger- test Moyen's German. Let's <laughs> <start>. <laughs> I think he might be pretty good. Yeah, okay. Uh, the second last card we're going to cover is a steel item card, three-cost inkable map of treasure planet. Top, you pay one less for the next location you play this turn. Then also you pay one less to move your characters to a location. Uh, I think this card could be okay. I mean, comparing it to the last item, I think it's it's <laughs> a lot better. But again, like we haven't really dived into the locations, so we don't care about how much 
Uh, we haven't seen how much locations really matter right now, but I think it could see play, honestly. Uh, so comparing, right. let's, let's compare this to Lantern, right? Because this, this item costs more than Lantern, and Lantern mm -hmm. basically cheats in a resource every turn. So I would want this to cheat more than one resource on average per turn. Well, this um, could... So, so well, I think that's, that's fair that it would do, because... You're paying one less for the location, and you're paying one less to move. And you're, I mean, it's never going to be free to move a card to a location. And when you play a location, as soon as you play a location, you can move a card there. So it just requires you to either have a character on board or the items on board, you play a location, you play a character from your hand, and then you can move it for one less. So oh, yeah. it's hard to evaluate without knowing the locations. Um, sure. I, don't, I don't love it. I really don't love it. Uh, it's just more. It's a bit narrow, in my opinion. I see. I don't know. If, I don't know what the critical minimum of location is going to be in some of these decks, you know. But yeah. I would think it would be less than characters. I think you'd have less locations than characters. That's my idea. Mm -hmm. Could be different. Probably, yeah. Could be different. So I think this card is just more narrow. Uh, Lantern is uninkable. This card is inkable, but still, um, yeah, I'm not a huge yeah. fan. I, I think I could be totally wrong on this. Like context based. Uh, when this when context comes into play and we know locations and we know the effects from moving to said locations, then maybe. But right now, it, I don't see it. Um, yeah, I also don't don't see it really because even if let's in theory maybe you can cheat a lot more than one resource per turn with this because you can play uh, a location for one less and then also maybe move some characters for one less. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I I. I I don't expect us to be doing this stuff like all the time, and I think you would need to be doing this stuff a lot of the time for this card to cheat enough resources for it to pay back the cost of playing it. Um, that being said, uh, I think if like a lot of locations are cost one to move something here, and then suddenly you can move your cards for zero, that's like the big cost reduction, right? Suddenly you can uh... move them there for free. Let me have a peek. I won't, I won't <laughs> tell you guys the answer to that question, but let's see. Uh, so far, there are, I think there's like six locations that can move. But that being said, I think there's only well, six locations that cost one for you to move. Maybe, maybe even seven. But from what I can see, only two of them have actual decent effects. If that makes sense, the rest of them are just mm -hmm. pretty much uh, vanilla. Uh, yeah, so bad locations doesn't really matter to move them there. Well, there's there's one. There's, I mean, there's what there's one I can tell you. We'll we'll try to give some context to this card, mm -hmm. right? Because we've we've seen this location already. So one is uh, Maui's Place of Exile, which is a two cost inkable location that has five health and it costs one to move the card here. And it says characters gain resist plus one while here. Yeah. So moving them there for free is kind of like giving just all of giving the them resist. Plus yeah. One resist. Yeah. But also. It's not like your locations never die. Yeah, I, I I think without knowing all of the locations, I still don't expect this card to be good. Yeah. I think I think it's a fair evaluation, but also like it it's 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 a very hard it's just very hard card to evaluate. Mm -hmm. Even I feel like even with knowing all of the locations, like it obviously helps, but it's still difficult. It's it's still really difficult. Um wow. all right, yeah, Moin. Finish it off okay. here. Give us, you you take this one away. Read it in German four. first, then translate it. I want to get the okay. true experience. Yeah, tell, tell us it's like a four-cost inkable emerald card. All in German. Go, tell us. No, no, no. It's okay. No, no, no. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's okay. Four-cost four inkable. It's a 0-6 that quests for one in emerald. It's called mm -hmm. Shenzi Hyen Rüdelführerin. And the, <laughs> the effect says... 
Äh, ich mach das schon. Solange dieser Charakter an einem Ort ist, erhält er plus drei Willensstärke. Äh, so eilig, solange dieser Charakter an einem Ort ist, darfst du jedes Mal, wenn er einen anderen Charakter herausfordert, eine Karte ziehen. Um, Brandon, what do you think it does? Well, it gets plus three attack if you have a character named uh, uh, Ort. <laughs> no, that's a location. Okay. <laughs> so if there's a character at a location, it has plus three willpower. And then? If there's a character at a location? Or there's well, a this, character this character is at, at a location. Oh, okay. While this character is at a location. Yeah. Uh, so it's a three six by being at a location. And then if it's at a location, it gets a what? Um, and then also if it's at a location, every time it challenges another character, you may draw a card. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's a 0-6, but at a location it's a 3-6. Yeah. And it's a 3-6 that if it's at a location, when it challenges a character, it draws a card. That's pretty good. So it means it really yes, wants to be at a location. You really, you really want a, a strong look. If this is at a location consistently, this card is very good. Like, very, very, very good. Yeah, even 4-3-6 is really high stat 4-3-6 is insane stat line. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. That's good. How do you say good in yeah. German? Gut. Gut. <laughs> oh, man. That was such a great way to end the podcast. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, guys. So, yeah, that's all the spoilers we're going to be covering on, on this episode. Uh, stay tuned for, for next week, though, because, like, we're going to have a lot. There's a lot left still that we're going to have to cram into the last week, which is going to be really exciting. But for the most part, what, what do you guys think about? I mean, I'm, I'm the person I think that's seen the most spoilers. But at the same time, when I see these spoiler cards, I say, oh, that looks interesting. But I don't really get a great chance to dive into, you know, the concepts and stuff. So this is a really good rate learning experience for me as well. But I mean, we don't want to keep tr keep trashing and coming back to what you said, Brandon. But like, do you yeah. think this is bulk? Definitely not think... bulk. Definitely yeah. not bulk. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a really strong set from the cards that we've seen so far. Just lots of cards that are interesting and so also a lot harder to evaluate but mm -hmm. that provide potential thing, under think, circumstances yeah and mm. i think that this this will just give a lot of tools to react to certain meta games and to build uh, decks differently than we used to so I'm, i'm very happy with the cards that we've seen so far yeah i feel like outside of the item deck set two was really straightforward i mean the item deck was found pretty quick but the item deck was a new archetype Outside of that, we just got support for a lot of existing archetypes. I know there was discard, but those were really obvious decks. Like we were, they were signposted and things like that. This, I see more individually powerful cards where I'm like, okay, there's a whole new kind of control deck I can build. Like, you know, there's just a lot more tools to deal with. And I think that's on purpose. You know, these, uh, you know, games will tend to come out with like the first couple sets. They want them to be more simple. A lot of people get more familiar with the cards. And then as we, as we age, we expand to these sort of these more complex mechanics, which is where I feel like we're at right now. Like these cards are much, I'm really happy with it so far. Mm -hmm. uh, that actually reminds me though, Brendan, before we end, I do have to say when you're talking about what, what things did we get slightly wrong from set two, I do recall that you said that uh, the whole bounce archetype was going to be a bit of a, a bit of a meme, that it wasn't going to be as strong, but I think I said bounce you, the archetype, not bounce the uh, bounce. Like I just play good cards in my deck that happen to get bonuses from being bounced. No, no, yeah, I, I think you were more so, and I think it was fair, I think you were more so referring to, like, the entire bounce package, like, you know, running every single, like, you know, we don't run the the, the Merlin, the 2-4, that when you bounce something, he gets plus one, the squirrel, like, I, I think there was context given to some of the cards, like, everyone wasn't running Crab, and then suddenly Crab saw a bit of play, right, because it's just, it, it's a solid card, but, uh, 
I think, okay, I think what you said was fair. Like, it wasn't like full on bounce, 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 but the flexibility of bounce, I think we did overlook a little bit, in my opinion, right? It's I think, hard, I think it's hard the, to evaluate archetypes in spoiler season because you take everything card by card. Yes, know? yes. We, I mean, we definitely missed items. Like, mm. like, I didn't see Flavisham go like, oh, I mean, maybe Flavisham because yeah, sure. it draws no, two cards. We still said it's, it's, yeah. it can be a good card. It draws two cards. Mm-hmm. And but, then with, with Popsicle, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Those those ones are definitely harder to do. I wasn't immediately thinking like, oh, the Tamatoa deck's gonna be really good now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, set three looks oh. really cool. Uh Kala, do you want to take us out? My I'm a little bit sick, so my throat is like, oh, it's right. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh all right, yeah. Thank you so much everyone for listening to this week's pod. Uh if you guys wanna uh support I'm so bad at this. If you guys wanna support <laughs> us on other uh, the number one platforms. thing you can do to support the the podcast is leave us a review on yes. Apple Podcast and the other podcast platforms yeah spotify apple podcasts all that good stuff really appreciate it It actually helps us a ton honestly we were just talking about our back end numbers earlier and uh, we're we're killing it on platforms so thank you so much for all of the support both there and on youtube if you guys want to watch a video version of this be available at youtube.com slash at podcana podcast don't forget to like comment subscribe engage with us do all that algorithm stuff and yeah stick around for next week because i think next week is going to be Super, super fun. Thanks so much for listening and we will catch you in the next one. See y'all.